fucking bad. <laughs> what the fuck? Stupid. You guys want to hear something dumb other yep. than what Phil's doing? Uh, so there are some people who are convinced that in the movie Avengers Endgame, when Thor throws his hammer or has his hammer fly to him and it flies past Captain Marvel and she doesn't flinch, uh, there are people who are convinced that she says under her breath, I have telepathy. What the fuck? (laughs) What the fuck? What? (laughs) That's so fucking stupid. Oh my god. You're listening to episode 172 of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. Is this the part where I talk, Mr. Sean? Is this the part where I talk? Whoa, Sean, you didn't tell me you booked Dr. Girlfriend. Uh, Who the hell is that? This is From Venture Brothers. What the hell is that? The Venture Brothers? What the hell is that? It's a tremendous uh, superhero, I don't know, uh, parody show on uh, Adult Swim. Oh. One of the main villains is named Dr. Girlfriend, and she's this real sexy lady, but she's got a smoker voice, but she says she's not a smoker. Sounds like she drinks lighter fluid. <laughs> hey, maybe she does. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> didn't we uh didn't we book a guest this weekend? I thought we uh we booked the inspiration for Harley Quinn. That's right. This is the fantabulous emancipation of me on your podcast, The Comics Pals. Uh obviously I don't look like I did in the nineteen forties when I was verbally abused by Mr. J, but here I am. I'm here to talk about the movie based on my life, played by Mag El Rabbi. I'm very <laughs> Mag El Rabbi. <laughs> this is the worst bit. I have no idea who he is. <laughs> I'm very happy to be here because I've been fantabulously emancipated. Well, Harley, um... Please, call me Harleen. Sorry. There was no world in which I I thought that you would age to look like this. uh, Or (laughs) to sound like this. The ravages of time. (laughs) That's one thing. That's one thing that's not in the history books. They they don't tell you you're gonna grow a beard once you get old. In the way that many people do when they age, you know, you just start growing hair in places you never thought you would. Yeah, dude, I've got a nose hair thing going on. It's pretty annoying. I've got ear hairs that I have to pluck. I'm not there yet. Yeah, that happened pluck. to me. Jesus Christ! That ha- I, hey, you can't pull them. <laughs> Oh my god! Um, yeah, I got I, welcome to welcome to aging, my friend. <laughs> I I got a haircut a few weeks ago, and without asking, the barber cut my eyebrow, eye, uh, the hair on my eyebrows, and I told coworkers about it, and a lot of them right. very quickly jumped on to be like, "Oh yeah, that's what happens <laughs> when you get older." And I was like, "Oh, okay." Whoa! Oh yeah, I have uh, a very that's... similar experience. You should see <laughs> the hair on my elbows. All right, thanks a lot, Harleen. Oh, is it Bridget Bardot? Like who? 
I don't get it. <laughs> I'm Harley <laughs> Quinn. Yeah, he's Harley Quinn. <laughs> Wait, is you Danny didn't get it? I don't get it. <laughs> is this Batman Beyond Harley Quinn? I don't. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, she's a lot older than she was when she was in her prime. Unbelievable. She was a criminal mastermind of the 40s, Kale. Where have you been? She's around your age. The 40s of what? The 1940s. The 40s of what? Okay, alright. I gotta gotta take this over. This is the Uh, worst show I've ever been on. Speaking of Harley Quinn, uh, we are going to be reviewing Birds of Prey, or should I say we have reviewed Birds of Prey. Uh, For those of you who want to check out that review, uh, there is going to be a link to that in the description. And then also, if you just want to jump over, listen to this first, but jump over to, you know, whatever podcast hosting platform you're on right now and uh, check that review out. It's up right now, should be up right now. Um, so go listen to our review of Birds of Prey. Um, and, of course, while you're doing that, there are plenty of things you can do as well. Uh, on your podcast hosting platform of choice, you can leave us a like or the equivalent of that and a comment. Those things really uh, are very, very helpful. Um, you can get us on social media at the Comics Pals. You can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. And if you're watching this on YouTube, sorry there's no video. Uh, obviously, there's a lack of Pete. And uh, for the time being, whenever Pete is not present, we are not able to do video. That'll be changing. But uh, for the time being, you'll have to do without our faces. Sorry. It's weird that the ratings uh, but... are going up right now without Pete. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Um... I, I would assume it's because they can't see our faces. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, the 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 possibilities are endless for jokes. Um, and uh, while you're on YouTube, of course, make sure you guys leave us a like, share this video with your other friends, uh, leave us a comment, and subscribe to our channel. All the things that I mentioned are free to do, and they help us out a lot more than they cost you. Uh, we've got plenty of book clubs out there for you guys. If you are not familiar, we've got Spider Man Life Story, which just dropped. Uh, we've got, uh, help me out here. Uh, there was the Watchmen book club. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. Uh, uh Alex and Ada. Alex and Ada. That was a good one. Um, what was the last one you hosted, Cal? Uh, it's I not just. not out yet. Uh, yeah, what was the one before that? The last that? one I hosted is coming up. The last one I hosted was something, wasn't it something Poignant? It wasn't Mouse. Uh, well, there was Junju Ito's Uzumaki. Uzumaki that came out recently. Yeah. That was really good. Um, and we do we do have a Mouse book club. That's true we too. Do. And that was that was incredible. That's actually in my top five. I really loved doing that one. Uh, oh, <clears> on, <throat> on recently we did the uh, Secret Wars too. Yes, yes. Uh, so did I host? <laughs> Lots of lots of book clubs out there. Also, what we'd really love it if you did is come join us on Discord. Uh, our Discord has been a lot of fun. We're constantly talking, constantly having conversations. I feel like this past week was pretty pretty enjoyable on Discord. Um, what do we talk about, Sean? 
Yeah, you know, I was trying to, I was trying to remember uh, what we had talked about this week on Discord. Um, but my memory sucks for stuff like that. Today um, we've been talking about Pokemon in the video games channel. Yes, everyone ridicules me for not posting enough on the Discord, but guess what? I got that train rolling. Oh yeah, that's right. We did, uh, we did shit on on um, <laughs> Phil for. Not joining the or not speaking on the Discord. That was fun. So he's posted three things and he thinks he's a hero. <laughs> yeah, well, right. listen, not all heroes wear capes. <laughs> Ryan Klubeck called me out and I obliged. Obliged. <laughs> uh, two weeks later. <laughs> yeah. Um, and somehow we got into a conversation about Transformers comics. So there's Yeah, we that. never talk about that on this show. You know, we're 300 episodes deep and. Never talked about those IDW books. Yeah, somehow we avoid talking about bad comics. I don't know. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> no, I, I, I actually don't know the quality. Actually, uh, for a long time, the person who taught at Comics Experience when I was there, uh, his name is John Barber, former editor at Marvel, he was the writer of the IDW books, and they're pretty good. I've dip my toe and they're the ones i've read are pretty good uh but i like the transformers fans are crazy about the idw stuff um yeah. well that's because transformer fans don't have a lot to enjoy unfortunately there's a lot of bad transformer stuff out there but also sean you made the assertion that we don't talk about bad comics on the show and we sure do sometimes yeah oh yeah Mar- marco is totally a person <laughs> that that is on this show I shouldn't have taken that pause where I did. Does Marco do bad stand-up? Because he is a bad comic. Mm. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> right on. <laughs> hey, speaking of the Discord, we did get a random question that oh. does that does coincide with the fact that we don't have YouTube this week. All right, what's up? Uh, okay. So Rachel Conrad of all people, wants to know what we're wearing. Huh. Uh, (laughs) Well, uh, me personally, uh, I'm actually, I can't believe I'm going to say this, I'm actually in my Jean Grey cosplay. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. It looks so good on you, too. Like, the weird head thing she wears that's not really a mask from her 90s look. Orange is your color. Orange is your color, my orange. man. Orange. Yeah, that weird orange orange tan thing she has going down the half side of her yeah, orange oh. costume in the animated series. Orange. I hate that costume. That's not the one I'm wearing, so. Orange is the new black. <laughs> Asswipe. <laughs> and of course, me, uh, if you really want to know, I'm wearing my big oversized novelty cowboy hat. I've got my bolo tie on, uh, my white suit with a white jacket doing my best <sighs> Colonel Sanders impression. I could read, I could see that. I mean, I'm looking right at you, so I, I see it, but yeah. Uh, I'm just saying t shirt. Nothing else. Just a t shirt. Wait, it says balls on it. It does say balls on it. That's the only thing that we've said in the last, like, minute that was true. And he is wearing his <laughs> black canary fishnet, like, tights. Well, yeah. 
it's cold in here. I gotta cover up my legs. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, thanks, so, Rachel. There you go, Rachel. <laughs> All right, let's jump into the pals polls here. So from Kale, we've got Wes Anderson's Isle of Dogs. So apparently, uh, this this guy, uh, what's the what's the name of the uh, author that I put down there, Sean? Oh, it is uh, Minotaro Mochizuki. So this guy wrote a uh, a manga based on Wes Anderson's film Isle of Dogs. Uh huh. That's pretty cool. So I'll check that out. Um, I like Wes Anderson. Did you see that movie? Right on. Uh, I haven't seen that movie actually. Um, movie got a lot of was under a lot of criticism for its depiction of Japanese culture. Hmm. Happens. Yeah, it was an okay movie. It was I thought it was one of Wes Anderson's weaker films, independent from uh, any criticism of of depictions of culture. Wow. Uh, Phil and I actually have the exact same polls, uh, for the most part. So we both chose a surprise, I think, to me, and, and I believe Phil, uh, Green Lantern Season 2, number one. I didn't know that there was going to be more to this. Me neither. <laughs> I'm excited. I didn't think it was good enough to, I didn't think it was good enough to get picked up for a Season 2. Where do you guys watch it? Amazon. Uh, the Netflix thing, or? Oh, Amazon, that's why. <laughs> Fuck off. That dumbass joke. <laughs> um, I do. <laughs> I do like how how it's being genuinely treated as like a serialized comic, where it's like twelve episodes, and we'll have more in season two. Right. Yeah. Uh, did you read the the Black Star stuff? Uh, right after the first twelve issues. No, I have not read that yet. Yeah, me neither. Uh, I was wondering if it was good. I mean, I would imagine it is, but... I love the first 12 issues. I was waiting for it to finish, uh, and I kind of forgot about it. So, uh, uh, I will read this before this issue comes out. Cool. Uh, And then the other book we both chose was X-Men number 6. Well, yeah, we like good shit. (laughs) Yeah, this is the issue that I've been waiting for since that panel... At New York Comic Con, where they showed, um, they showed this cover because it just, it just, it just gave us the vibe that you know Mystique was going to be turning heel on the X Men, and especially with the context that we have about Destiny and her relationship to that character, and what I would presume is a little bit of frustration about. The fact that she's not been resurrected yet and they're playing games. I think that's what this cover is referencing, but I don't know. Um, yeah, and we've kind of been waiting for the other shoe to drop on, on the whole Utopia thing where it's like every mutant is on board somehow, like with this, like uh, right. Krakoa thing. And obviously we've seen some some cracks already first of all the whole saber tooth thing has been has been emblematic of a very weird kind of corporal punishment uh obviously the destiny situation and then everything that's happening with uh sebastian shaw that's another crack but like yeah. we're th- this seems like another crack in this perfect egg and i say egg because of the whole rebirth thing but uh also curiously yeah. enough is the alternate cover to this which has sunfire on it yeah i really don't know why 
why that would be the case. But a lot of times the alternate covers don't have anything at all to do with the inside. Well, it's a guy we haven't even seen yet, so it's curious. Right, yeah. Um, definitely excited for this issue. Very, very pumped. Um, and who's on art? It's, uh... Oh, Bafagni. Cool. Yeah, he's good. Bafagni? Yeah. Is that wrong? Is it Buffany? I, I always thought it was Buffany. I, I don't... It's probably Buffany. But I always read it as Bafagni. He's buff. So. Maybe I don't. I guess I don't know who it is. <laughs> Mateo, well, Buffany, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Wild. The Kale pronounces things wrong bit is sure turning into Sean. Well, I uh, couldn't help uh, but notice that you made Sean read the name you were uncomfortable reading. I sure did. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. I didn't even read it that way. Um no, I, I genuinely didn't have that open, oh, okay. but since Phil pointed it out, that is definitely what happened. <laughs> uh, and then, even though this book is actually not coming out this week, Phil, I don't know if you realize that. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, but you can speak on it because you were so hot about it anyways, so go ahead. Um. So, I wait, when's it, when does this book come out? Well, it's just the like link Odyssey you number gave 18. is actually a review, not a, not a preview. <laughs> Oh well, shit. Uh, I was pulling. I was looking through the polls. Maybe that. I guess it maybe it dropped last week or something. But uh, Justice League Odyssey. I had no idea it had Dan Abnett on it, and it's a book about Dark Side. That shit sounds rad. How come I didn't know about Dark Side? Dark Side on a Justice League team, mind you. I feel like I remember when that was announced, and I guess I didn't care. But has Abnett always been on this? I don't even know. No. Uh, at first, it was actually James T- uh, Tinian. That's why I and didn't care. That makes a lot of mm, sense. And I understand why you wouldn't have, but the book was actually pretty good. I, I, I was one of the books that I looked forward to more. I ended up dropping it just because uh, I was just like, ah, you know, like, I don't know how directly tied into everything this is. And it's kind of weird what's going on. So I was like, ah, forget it. I want to save some money. But, um. Yeah, it's 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 good, and Dan Abnett I think is perfect now yeah. for what the storyline uh, has been. Um, yeah, I've always kind of been intrigued by what Dan Abnett could do with DC cosmic stuff, and he really excels in good sci-fi. And I want to see what he's going to do with our good friend Darkseid, who is back. Yeah. That's what it says on the cover. He's back. Yeah. Ab- Abnett and Lanning did Annihilation for Marvel, well, right? They did, Certainly. They, they did stuff on it um, along with Keith Giffen, but they really picked up the ball and took primary creative control of all of the stuff that came out of that, like Conquest and, and the Thanos Imperative and War of Kings and Realm of Kings and all that stuff. And they wrote Nova and Guardians of the Galaxy at the time. So, uh, that is going to do it for the Pals Pulls. If you guys want to let us know what you are reading and what books you're excited about, the best ways to do that are to hit us up at thecomicspals at gmail.com, and maybe even better is to join our Discord. You can directly interact with us, and uh, we'll talk about your stuff on the air if you want. So, uh, Birds of Prey, as we discussed, is 
out. It is out now, uh, and as of today, it's been out since Thursday, so just two days, and um, we've got some numbers. We have got some numbers for you guys, and unfortunately, they're not too great, so coming from Variety, we know that uh, Birds of Prey, to this point, has made $34 million uh, as of Friday. So, uh, the movie cost $80 million to make. Uh, it made $4 million on Thursday. And uh, it made about seven point eight million uh, from inter- international between Wednesday and Thursday. So, unfortunately, right now, things are not looking too hot for the movie. Compare that to Suicide Squad. And granted, this movie still has Saturday and Sunday. So... Mm-hmm. You know, it, things could turn around. Word of mouth has probably been pretty good because the reviews have been strong. Um, but compare that to Suicide Squad, which had 133 million over the weekend and went on to make 746 million. So that's a pretty big difference so far. I've seen people suggest that a reason that this movie was released the week before Valentine's Day was to pick up steam through word of mouth and then women could go see this as a movie on a date for Valentine's Day weekend. Hmm. That's a theory I've seen presented. I believe that, except that it's stupid because... It it definitely sounds like a theory. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, it this based on the movie, right? It doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, no could spoilers, a, but could be a girl power single single gal in the city, or that too, I guess. Uh, Valentine's thing. Sure. Uh, I can speak anecdotally and tell you that my theater had about five people in it. It was the most empty theater I've ever been in in my life. Mine was um, just me in it. But it was also a matinee. Yeah, I saw it on I saw it at seven thirty on Forty Second Street in New York uh, on Thursday, and you would think that's you know that's a pretty hot time. This is release mm-hmm. night, but uh, yeah, no one really. I saw it with probably eight other people in a forty X show. And let me tell you, I have some thoughts about 4DX movies. All right. And you will hear about them in our review. Wow. Um, yeah. I, I, the other thing – this is the thing I was thinking, I guess, is that I feel like people don't really go out to see movies terribly often. In, like, I'm pretty sure this is like what people consider the dead season of film, which is like January, February, March. I think Januarys are yeah typically pretty hard for, for films. Yeah, January, February, um, not the best, but I think, I think the movie. Well, I don't think it came in with a lot of steam. I'll just say that. I think. I think. I think yeah. it had a lot going against it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of the key differences between, I mean, the look, just calling a spade a spade. The obvious difference between Suicide Squad and Birds of Prey is that Jared Suicide Leto. Squad had. Okay, Suicide Squad. I was going to say Will Smith, actually. That's the correct answer. I mean, no, it had more star power, more male-driven star power. And I think that that 
is probably a factor. When it comes to Birds of Prey, obviously Harley Quinn is a bankable star, but outside of Margot Robbie, who do you really have? You have Ewan McGregor, but I don't feel like the marketing focused on him a ton. And it also isn't clear from the marketing what's going on with this character. I feel like mm. the marketing was pretty muddy, and I think that that probably impacted um, people's perceptions of the movie. Honestly, I don't know how big of a star Ewan McGregor is either. I know he's got a big following on the internet because of his portrayal of Obi-Wan Kenobi in the prequel trilogies, but um, how many movies can you name of his from the last 15 years? That's true. That's true. Uh, I used to know someone who was obsessed with... Uh, What's that movie? Big Fish? Uh, uh, no. Um, it was that, that movie about... Oh, man. I suck for this. It's it's a movie from the 90s, and it was... It, it's like a, a musical. Oh, Moulin Rouge. Yes. Thank you. And because yeah. I used to hear about Moulin Rouge all the time, and he was in it, I thought that that made him a big star. And I mean... Oh, but I guess not. Again, but that was 20 years ago. Yeah, 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 that's, that's a, a pretty point. old film. That's a really good point. Um, yeah. So if you want to hear our thoughts about Birds of Prey, you can go over and listen to the review. Um, can't really say too much more just because we don't want to spoil anything. Um, but uh, yeah, things not looking too hot on the box office end. A return to everyone's favorite segment, Flush Down the Jams? <laughs> no. You got to give me a song oh, at least. Hmm. hmm. We'll see. Tune into the review. <laughs> yeah. Um. Here's my question. Ooh, did they miss the timing on a Harley Quinn movie? So, in the first half of the 2010s, Harley Quinn was the most popular costume for women for Halloween. Like, back when Suicide Squad came out, and even like, you know, the next two years after that, it was like, you couldn't go anywhere without seeing a Harley Quinn costume. 2015, 2016, 2017... Uh, did they miss the mark on on the time? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think um, I think now, I think early two thousand tens were, I mean, a different time. You know, uh, Avengers didn't come out till two thousand twelve, and um, I think now I think we're at a saturation point where a Harley Quinn movie actually makes sense. I think if you were to put out a movie that was just Harley Quinn, it wasn't called Birds of Prey or anything, uh, I actually feel like it does better because like I've said this I've, I've said this several times. You look at these trailers and it's like, who are these people? Um, you know, why should I care? They don't look that cool. You know, what's going on? Whereas if you cut all the fat and it's just a Harley Quinn movie and she's dealing with the fallout of Suicide Squad and, and everything else, and you throw some interesting characters in there who are definitely in the backseat, I think you have a, a movie that on its face is more compelling to the average audience. Now, that's without seeing it. I think once people see it, uh, there's the possibility that they will feel differently, but that's not good enough. I think you need that strong hook early on to get people in the door. I, I have thoughts about this, but we'll save it for the review. Sure. And 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 like you say, I, I do genuinely think like the economy and everything everything going on has probably affected people's uh movie going too. Like I, I don't you know, similar to, to what Sean's saying, 
why why waste the money on a $15 ticket when you don't care about any of the cast or the story in the movie? Yeah. I didn't want to go see this movie. No, we were forced to. <laughs> we had a gun yeah. to our heads. Yeah, that's right. I wasn't overly enthused about going to see it myself, unfortunately, uh, just because of everything we've talked about last week. But um, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll, we'll talk, talk about, about it. Go listen it. to our review. Go listen to our review of, the, of Birds of Prey. Uh, and I, I think you'll be surprised at some of the things we have to say. So if you're, if you're on the fence, listen to our thoughts and uh, make up your mind. Something that uh, I am ac- absolutely not on the fence about and I'm actually extremely excited for is uh, Strange Adventures, which is coming from DC mm. Comics, now a black label book. Oh, boys, you know what that means. We what are going to see Mr. Terrific's terrific dick. Ooh. <laughs> uh, pause. Hopefully not. What's terrific about it, Kale? I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. The guy's name is Mr. Terrific. It's got to be good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, that made me tighten my you, I polo mean, what, tie. What, hey, hey, shut up. What do you want to see? Adam Strange dick? Hmm. Is he, guy's name is Adam Strange. Why do you think? Uh, between the two, probably. <laughs> it's probably weirder. It's probably weirder. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Phil. I want to see the sideshow attraction. It's probably weirder. <laughs> so, Strange Adventures <laughs> is going to be a 12-issue series by Tom King, Mitch Gerrids, and uh, Evan Shaner, Doc Shaner. Yes. Um, Clayton Cowles is going to be on it as well. Um, and it's it's for readers 17 and up. Ah, shit. So, so much dick. <laughs> so many penises in this book. Oy, oy, oy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that, that to me is, is pretty exciting. Um, I, I, Tom, Tom had some words, and again, his words made me even more excited. Like Mr. Miracle, Strange Adventures is hugely ambitious. Unlike Mr. Miracle, this isn't another tale of one man's angst or trauma or recovery. Strange Adventures is fundamentally about something larger, deeper, and darker. It's trying to speak to the nature of truth and how our assumptions about that nature can tear us apart. Uh, So, if you've looked at the covers for this book, uh, for issue one, you've got the cover of of uh, him looking really like heroic and and cool, and there's this very colorful, you know, um, hopeful energy about it. And then you look at the, I don't know, I don't think it's considered a variant. I think it's just an alternate cover, and it has him there um, in the same pose, but it's like kind of vandalized. Um, it's in a, oh, are those, are yeah, those two different covers? Yes, I I'm pretty confident. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah absolutely, they absolutely are. Oh, I've only seen them. I guess I've only seen the image where it's uh, those two uh, as one image, like yeah. b- uh, cut in half or whatever. I, and I wonder if they won't release it that way as well. But they're definitely you can definitely get either one of those as separate images. Oh, yeah, that um, sounds cool. Yeah, I'm really, really excited about this, and I don't know why, because I'm not familiar with the character, and also, um, I haven't been over the moon about Tom King's 
work recently. Yeah. Um, the thing of it all is, like, on on pitch, Mr. Miracle and Heroes in Crisis were really interesting books. Yeah. Mm. And this is, on pitch, a really interesting book. But my man has really failed with the payoff lately. Let me posit this. Does it interest you that it's supposedly not about angst? <laughs> um, yes. Because, because legitimately, in that quote you just read, that was the thing that got me was, this is a story unlike Mr. Miracle where it's not about angst, it's about our relationship to the truth. And I was like, oh shit, okay, Tom, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, he does... He has done angst really well. Um, obviously, like, Vision had a lot of angst before. in it. Before. Yeah, before. Um, <laughs> I really like Adam Strange a lot. Uh, he's a character I've always appreciated. Uh, I liked him in yeah, the, the Ron Thanagar War. I liked him in 52. Um, and like Marco. I like him. I like his his whole vibe. Yeah, like in general. Yeah, me too. I, I and I, and that's why Doc Shaner is such a good fit for this because I think it really works yeah. with that vibe. Uh, Hard to agree. And I think it'd be really it's it's kind of that Grant Morrison thing from the old days of of taking a obscure character and and kind of creating a um, definitive title for him, like in the way with Doom Patrol or Animal Man. Like I like when an author takes a stab at a character that no one cares about. And he did that with Vision, who is a... You know, he's probably like a C-plus grade character. Maybe higher at this point. Uh, the Omega Men, though, he certainly did that with, which was really cool. Uh, that's what kind of opportunity is here for uh, Adam Strange. Uh, so I would really like this to be good. Uh, cautiously optimistic. I would like... To I would like to I would I'm hoping for the best, but preparing for the worst. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, I'm ready for more Tom King in a uh continuity light environment mm. where he's not responsible for the future of DC on any level. Yeah, uh, I think he has proven. I mean, at this point, we've been living in a world where Tom King is a major player at DC for a few years now. Yeah. And I think that pretty much the consensus is that the books he's done where he's had a limited amount of issues to work with and either obscure characters or outside of real heavy continuity stuff is where he has done his best work. Because even... um, Oh my god, what's the book where they're um with the Green Lantern? Omega oh, Man. Help me out. Yes, thank you. Even Omega Men, which was cancelled actually, was still phenomenal. That was my favorite book um, of that year. Yeah. I remember when, when I first met you, that was one of the first freaking books you brought up. Um and then uh also the book he did over at Image with Mitch Jarrett's the Sheriff of Babylon. Sheriff Sheriff of Babylon was also incredible. So I, I feel like that's his niche. And I wouldn't be too surprised if he doesn't kind of lean more towards that after Bad Cat. Yeah, that uh, has – it's funny. I feel like that's tarnished his image and legacy more so than anything else. I mean, Heroes in Crisis will be remembered as just a bad event in a sea of just many bad events over the last two decades. 
Um, hmm. But I think his legacy... So, if you have a long run on the most recognizable character in all of comic books, like, that is the thing people are going to associate you with more than anything else. Yeah, and it's unfortunate because he is he is very talented. He he is one of DC's best writers. Um, I, I don't know. It's it's tough to evaluate. I'm interested in seeing what DC has in store for Tom once Batcat resolves, which it doesn't look like we're going to be getting for a while. Even though it was announced for, for it was announced for January, I believe, and then it got pushed back to March. But the way that he's been talking about it recently leads me to believe that it's not even close to being released. That's okay. Um, Take your time with it. That's how I feel about everything. Yeah, and with with a character like the the Phantasm being included, I I'm very much I would very much rather them take their time and get it right than you know, rush rush it and make it garbage. Um, yeah. Uh additionally, I, for, I forgot to mention, but the Adam Strange stuff in Grand Screen Lantern Run was really cool too. Oh yeah. Yes, yes, it was. That was my first time I think ever seeing uh, Adam in a in a comic book, and it was really cool. It was very yeah, good. I enjoyed it. Kelly, you read that stuff? Yeah. Oh, I no, I don't read garbage. <laughs> uh, no, I didn't. Uh, I I haven't kept up with uh, Green Lantern. That makes. I'll probably get it. I'll, I'll probably get it for uh, when the trade comes out, though. I was gonna shit on you, but it's cool, dude. I won't. <laughs> you should. I mean, he just called a Grant Morrison book a shit comic, and uh, just... did I? That's not what I said. What did you say? I said, I said it was garbage. Okay. okay, garbage shit. So you you don't? <laughs> Those are not the same thing. So you don't reread garbage? What? Hold on, hold on, hold on. You don't read garbage, so you don't reread what you write when you write comic books. That makes sense. Damn! Oh my god! <laughs> Game over. GG. <laughs> wow! <All> right. <laughs> the dagger. Pretty. pretty, pretty right. Yeah. Damn. I, I wasn't trying to kneecap you, but Sean told me to. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, did. I did. I did. All right. Uh, well, on that. <laughs> on that note, uh, <laughs> we're just gonna move. I tell right you a funny story, and the only reason I'm gonna tell it is because I know she won't hear. Oh it. no! So, yes, yes. <laughs> so my my wife is a professional comic book editor, and I say this to you guys so that the audience will know the context. Yeah. I uh, I wrote uh, the first draft of. Uh, uh, a graphic novel that I was trying to uh, put together and uh, I really want to work with her specifically just so we, you know, so I always have someone. And so I sent her this graphic novel and um, uh, she sat down one Saturday to read it and uh, I was like, okay, I sent it. I, I did my job and I went to the gym. When I came back to the gym, uh, she said, so, um, oh no, I hated it. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't like it at all. Savage. Jess is a savage, dude. Savage. <laughs> and 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 to her credit, she explained it, and what she said did make sense. How uh, pissed? Are- and it is something I will follow up with. Uh, but 
that was how she opened and I I did legitimately have like a depressive episode for like two yeah, days. Yeah, understandably. <laughs> oh my god, my wife thinks I'm a hack. Yep. Hold on. So was she aware that you uh, got depressed after that? Was she aware you were bummed I out? I don't think so. So she just said that shit and like left it there, like <laughs> hold this. Well, no, no, no. I mean, like, like I said, she did explain, you know, her thought process and what she thought was going on, and and what I could do to to change it and make everything work better. This yeah. was a first draft. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah. <laughs> does she does does she generally enjoy your work? Yeah, yeah, generally. All right. This one, she just super didn't, I guess. Fair enough. I, uh, I, I respect just the vicious sincerity. And brutal. brutal honesty. Wow. Yeah. And that's uh, that's my marriage. <laughs> so, uh, and also my career, I guess. Well, then. Um, <laughs> not much else to say on that front other than... Just rules. I'm sorry. Uh... <laughs> So we've got announcements as far as what free comic book day 2020 is going to bring from both Marvel and DC. And DC's offering of Generation Zero is definitely going to turn some heads, and I'm not sure it's turning them for the right reasons. So uh, Generation Zero is their one shot that is going to tie into... Wonder Woman 750, which more or less is introducing the new timeline. If you guys recall, whether you heard it on this show or some other place, that DC has readjusted their timeline. And this timeline is what they're using moving forward as we head into 5G. Now, in the new timeline... Go ahead, Kale. Isn't Wonder Woman the first hero? That's They're exactly kind of following what, yeah. the, the Captain America model or um yes. or I guess the movie. The 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 Justice League film universe. Synergy! Yeah. So, uh, in the new timeline, Wonder Woman is officially the very first hero. And uh so they're gonna they're gonna dive into that. Um and that's not particularly controversial. That's whatever. Fine, sure. Uh, she pops up in 1930. So, okay, great. Now, <laughs> the part that's uh, a little more controversial is that the primary story in this is going to focus on the af- the aftermath of Flash Forward, which is the series that was written by everybody's favorite writer, Scott Lobdell. <laughs> um, Shoot me in the goddamn head. And uh, that's the series that takes place after uh, Heroes in Crisis, that follows Wally's adventures, you know, post-Heroes in Crisis. Well, uh, DC has spoiled what Generation Zero has in store for some odd reason. I don't know if this was intentional, but uh, this is the solicit. (laughs) In order to save his children and the multiverse itself, Wally West makes the ultimate sacrifice, taking his place in the Mobius chair. Unbeknownst to him, the chair is packing a little extra power, having been imbued with the godlike power of Dr. Manhattan. 
Now armed with infinite knowledge and the powers of a god, Wally West can see the past, present, and future of the DC Universe all at once, including what needs to be changed. What? So, we're just shitting all over Alan Moore now, then, right? Like, we're just taking a dump all over everything he's... I don't understand. Wait, wait, what? I don't, I think, I think that that's like the least, like, whatever. Oh, the chair is powered from by Dr. Manhattan. Whatever, I don't, the stupid plot shit. Um, they are, like, I feel like the Mobius chair thing has already been done with, with... Batman from Jeff Johns' Justice League run. Yes. But, so, I, okay, so, on its face, putting a, a hero in the Mobius chair and seeing what happens, I'm about it. Like you mentioned with Batman, I thought that That's was... a cool premise. Yeah, I thought that yep. was awesome. The problem is that Wally West is not the character to do that with. And that was the thing that I really reacted yeah. to. The, the Dr. Manhattan power thing makes no, no sense it doesn't. at all. In light of how Doomsday Clock ended, that is dumb. Yep. But we'll get to that. Like, what, how I'm sure they'll have some means of explaining it. How how Doctor Manhattan became the Mobius chair? Oh, wait, wait, wait. Is that what you said? Yeah. He is the chair. No, 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 no. Oh. That's not what the solicit. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's not what the solicit oh. says. That's how I'm reading oh. it, but that's not. <laughs> that's much but, stupider. <laughs> but Wally, after Heroes in Crisis. After him being the soul of the DC universe in Rebirth, he was he was the catalyst. They they ruined it. Yeah. They killed they killed that in Heroes in Crisis, and then now I don't know what Scott Lobdell did, but now you're putting him in the Mobius chair, and you're and and and, and again that last line it says including what needs to be changed. The implication being that he's going to change things within the DCU. What the what does that mean? Like, is is he now? Are they embracing the villainous element? Is he going to be the catalyst for five G? What is that? Yeah. So, Wally West sucked major shit in Heroes in Crisis, and I think I think Tom King wanted <laughs> yeah. to make him seem sympathetic, and then at no point was he ever sympathetic in that book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there was a brief glimpse of it. I'll, I'll give Tom King credit where it's due. There was a brief glimpse of it in, like, issue five or some shit. But uh, the fact that it went on and Scott Lobdell did it means that Wally West is now just trash. He's just garbage. Yeah, I'd be interested yeah. in hearing anyone who's read it listening to this what that book's been like. <laughs> so. I want to write into really us about that. Um, I can't imagine this is going to be any good at all. This sounds bad. And is who's so who's writing this? Hmm. Yeah. So uh, I don't see any. Um, I don't see any names attached. Okay. I'm, to the actual, like to that particular story. I feel very I, okay. So this makes me feel double over a sense of no enthusiasm because this sounds like an editorial book where it's like, well, we're going to push this out because this is what we came up with from uh, editorial and we'll assign someone it and they'll have to make chicken salad out of chicken shit, as it were. <laughs> Wait, really? That's a good one. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> that laugh 
laugh was so sincere. Oh, I love it. You know what? Actually, based on the way this is written by DC in their in their so, full solicit, uh, it looks like it's actually written by Scott Lobdell. Oh, they were fucked. Motherfuck. Uh, I have also seen Bendis has been retweeting it a lot. The CBR article. That fills me with a lot of <laughs> dread as well. Dread. <laughs> I, it's not my favorite outcome, but far I, I'm far more uh, for that than Lobdell, for sure. Well, I guess we'll have to wait until free comic book day to see exactly what that's going to bring, but uh, I, nah, can't, no, thank you. <laughs> I can't tell you that I'm really excited. Um, Marvel, though, their solicits favor better. Uh, they are teasing a New X-Men story in their free comic book day offerings. Motherfuck. Uh, you could? Th- oh. It is it is sorry, it is Scott Lobdell. Yeah, it's, okay, yeah. It's bad. It's Scott uh it's Flash Forward Epilogue by Scott Lobdell and Brett Booth. Yeah. And a Brave New World by Scott Snyder and Brian Hitch. Right. Which is reprinted from Wonder Woman Seven. How yes. does Scott Lobdell keep getting work? <laughs> I don't know, guys, but we did that already and I want to talk about X-Men. Good call. Uh so this story is going to be by Jonathan Hickman and Pepe Larraz, cool. which is the team. Yeah. Uh, and Marvel says it will lead to a game-changing summer of X. Cool. I believe it. And that there will be <laughs> there will be a second story that will foreshadow an epic, upcoming epic tale from Tom Taylor and Ivan Coelho. So that is pretty exciting. I mean, we know we've heard about this this. This uh, X Men event that's coming. I would imagine it's their big summer tentpole event. Yeah, and Hickman and, and Laraz teaming up is is that's everything right there. So yeah. I'm excited. I'm ready. Yeah, uh, when they say they have, I feel like this has been in the, the, the you know in the plan since day one. Uh, right. With the way they mapped it out, so I have no reason to not doubt. I have no reason. To, to, to doubt that this won't be exactly what they say it is. Um, and with how good I've perceived X-Men's Dawn of X and Hawkspox up to be, I think is there's a lot of good reason to be excited. Yeah. Uh, the, other, the other thing that we're getting out of Marvel from Free Comic Book Day, which is, of course, May 2nd, is Free Comic Book Day, Amazing Spider-Man, and Venom. Which is going to see Donny Cates, Ryan Stegman, Jed McKay, Patrick Gleason, and other creators uh, come together for two exciting tales connected to the coming major storylines in Venom, Amazing Spider-Man, and Black Cat. So what's cool about that, of course, is that Donny Cates and Ryan Stegman are the creative team behind Venom, and they are the creative team behind Absolute Carnage, which was a major success. So uh, them you know, working on this is pretty cool. Right. Yeah. Uh, so again, that's May second, and we'll definitely be checking out at least the X Men stuff on this podcast. We should make Pete read the symbiote stuff, dude. What was the last time Pete read a comic book? Good, comic good question. <laughs> Damn. Okay. <laughs> I start my own Scott Lobdell podcast. <laughs> I can't believe this. Why? Why? Well, Kale- guys, why? Kel, I gotta tell you, man, that sounds like a bad idea. 
You know what else <laughs> is a bad idea? <laughs> Damn. <laughs> There's a, you know what? There's a reason Sean's a host of this podcast. <laughs> uh, so, it feels like every week a new publishing company opens up, and this week is no different. We learned about Bad Idea. It's a new comics company with Dinesh Shamdasani at the helm. You guys probably don't recognize that name, but he was one of the major players who sort of spearheaded the return of Valiant. Mm-hmm. And uh, then, of course, Valiant was purchased by DMG. Um, and since then, uh, Dinesh has done well for himself. Uh, he did uh, form Hive Mind Entertainment. Uh, so The Witcher, The Expanse, uh, those those were produced mm. by uh, his produ- production company. Um, and then, of course, Bloodshot, uh, which is a valiant property, is a movie that he had been working on for years. And it's finally going to be coming out here soon. Uh, so now he is going to be launching Bad Idea with uh, Warren Simons, Hunter Gorenson. Joshua Johns and Adam Freeman, all in various uh, positions in the company. And that's fine. What's less fine is, or I mean, I guess your mileage may vary. Um, This is what the plan is. So they won't be doing digital. They won't be doing variants. They won't be doing collections. The only way that you can get Bad Idea Comics is by going to literally one of 20 exclusive stores that will have Bad Idea Comics on their shelves. So I guess the idea is that they will be hard to get and that might – I don't know what that would do. Um, Well, I mean there are only 20 comic book stores left in the United States anyway, (laughs) so – uh, and 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 apparently they they do want to add to the list of of retailers. They do want more. Uh, they want fifty by the end of the year. Um, they're also going to have a one per customer limit. Uh, and apparently there are other stipulations as well, which are not listed here. Um, so that's interesting. Uh, they did announce a comic. Um, it's going to be. <laughs> So it's called Eniac uh, by Matt Kent and Doug uh, Brathwaite. They do have other creators involved. Uh, you know, a lot of big names: Jeff Lemire, Margaret Bennett, Jody Hauser, um, Deb Wells, Robert Venditti. So they do have names. Um, well, what do you guys? What do, what do you guys think about this? So the one thing I like about this is that they're not going through diamond right i think that's why they're the store count is so low but this does seem like a bad idea (laughs) like it 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 seems like it seems like they blew all of their money on the creative teams and now they're gonna have to you know uh, make it up in the four stores that they're going to be able to ship to. So they they in the press release they do have a little bit more information 
about how you can actually get Bad Idea Comics as a retailer and what, what the requirements are. I've never heard of anything like this. So each Bad Idea store will qualify to participate based on a unique system of criteria that includes enhanced signage, promotional displays, and rules for stocking and selling Bad Idea releases, including a strictly enforced limit one per customer policy on all Bad Idea comics. Now, I don't even think Marvel and DC have rules as far as those things go. Not to my knowledge. I've never heard of anything like that before. Have you? Enhanced signage. I, I, I what know. the fuck? <laughs> I can't. I I would be really interested to hear what a uh, a comic shop has to say about this. Like, I can't imagine that this is going to go over well this um it seems like they're going for flash and 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 kind of a and like outrage yeah it seems (laughs) like it it, it seems like their whole marketing technique is kind of more on flash over substance and it's not to say that they the books that they're going to be releasing has have no substance but that doesn't seem to be their marketing technique where it's like, we're a big deal, and you're going to treat us like a big deal, and you're going to buy our shit because why Why wouldn't you? That seems like their whole right. gimmick. But it doesn't work if no yeah. one knows who you are. Uh, yeah, the, the problem, the problem <laughs> is the most famous name they've got, you know, in terms of like their, their company is Dinesh, who, you know, brought Valiant from the brink or brought them into the, you know, the public eye. But it's still Valiant. Like, no one knows who they are. I mean, what is what is Valiant? Number five or six on, like, publishers, you would think? Something like that. Maybe even lower than that. The, the internet has not been too favorable to this uh, bad idea. Uh, and I also think the naming is really awful. I think the I name is I, – I appreciate the irony of it. I guess. I just don't think – I don't think that that's going to sell you well no. to the public. It Yeah, it it's it's so on the nose. It Like it, it's almost insulting. <laughs> it was a turnoff, yeah. And I don't really yeah. – like I, I don't know. I don't get outraged or anything. I don't care too much. But um, it, it, was, it was a turnoff. And then this just comes across as kind of pompous, the whole deal. Pompous, I don't know that's if, a great way to yeah. put it, yeah. I don't know I don't know if they're going for that, but that's not something you want to go for. It's like hipster um, arrogance. Yeah, sure, it's, sure. It's got that Brooklyn uh, vibe. That Brooklyn vibe. Well, like the 2010s hipster scene in Brooklyn thing, you know? Sure. Down in Bed-Stuy. Fucking taking the L train, Brooklyn shit. I lived in Brooklyn. Can you tell? <laughs> I, I think. <laughs> Name more Brooklyn things, Kale. Uh, Church Avenue, Prospect Park. Great, thanks. Good radio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I. I don't know. I think good comics will tell the real story here. 
good comics and good behind the scenes efforts on the part of the people in charge. Mm-hmm. Dinesh did well at Valiant. I I assume because of the fact that they were able to get to the point where now we kind of talk about them more regularly and you know they've got yeah. a movie coming out. So that's awesome. But we don't know how important he was to that versus all the people behind the scenes that you don't ever hear about. So can he replicate the success here? Not off to the best start, at least from a public relations standpoint. As I said, Twitter is not happy. Uh, Christopher Sabella, specifically, I remember him being someone who said, no collected editions equals I'm not going to be working here. That's how his stuff sells, yeah. That's exactly how his stuff sells. How is a creator who travels to sell their wares through conventions going to be able to make their money when they go to these things if they can't bring collectives with them? How are you going to you know, get a check for um, residuals or whatever when there's no collected out there? Once it's gone, it's gone. So I get yep. paid once and then it's over. That better be a substantial check, right? Yep. So I totally get it. And that's and that's that's the thing about like that crowd of creators. It's like Jeff Lemire and Marguerite Bennett and all the other people you listed. It's like those people are really successful in what they're doing right now. They can probably afford to, you know, take a, a one off job where they can just write probably whatever they want and you know who knows what's going to happen but by the company standpoint like i said like you know how much are they having to pay those creators those specific creators to not release any actual books yeah it's interesting and i i think i hope that we do hear more about you know, the structure of all that going, you know, down the road. We don't hear a lot about money in comics, mm. except mm. that there's not a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I think Kale makes a really good point, And I think that Christopher Sabella's statement was something that I saw a lot. It's just he's the one I remember. And mm. I feel that there are a lot of really great creators who are not at the point where, you know, like a Lemire, where maybe they could take a job like this where they won't have collected editions out there. Um, and I wonder if they're going to be able to court those kind of people. Um, there, there were other creators like um, uh, Matt Kent, Joshua Desart, um, uh, Adam Polina, several others. And, you know, I don't know. We'll see. We'll, ha- we'll have to wait and see how this rolls out. We don't even have a book out yet. Um, but, you know. I'm, even when this book comes out, we're not going to have a book out like... <laughs> Yeah, we can't talk about it. So, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't. I mean, I'll try to get it, but I would imagine they're gonna get into Midtown. Surely, it, it so. wouldn't be a bad idea. Yeah, I mean, like they're only going to twenty stores. It only makes sense to get the biggest shop in the country. Like, yeah. this is the last. Uh, this is the last thing that I have to say about this. Um, I as as much of a bad idea as this seems like it is, I would rather this than something like oh, you can't find our books in stores. 
you have to order this directly from us and otherwise oh. you're not getting it. You know, although or you got to get it digitally. You know, I would rather this. I want mm-hmm. I, I'm a regular comics reader. I go to the shop. I want books in sh- in the shop. Yeah. I don't think there's anything uh, yeah. reasonable with that. Uh a lot of I feel like sometimes you just have to simplify things to meat and potatoes. It's a gamble. See if it works. Mm. Uh <laughs> This next bit of news over on the Marvel Studios end of things was absolutely the biggest thing. It was a shocker that came out this week. Uh, I'm not going to bury the lead. Sam Raimi is in talks to direct Doctor Strange 2. That's crazy, huh? Crazy. There are big things popping with Doctor Strange 2. It is all over the place. It looks like half a dumpster fire and half the stairway to heaven like i don't know what's going on and which side does sam raimi fall on for you (laughs) that's a good question (laughs) because Uh, if it's sam raimi i'm leaning toward the dumpster fire because that'll be entertaining (laughs) (laughs) i mean that as a compliment i i think that sam raimi is that's an inspired choice uh and i know you know he's a big name and a lot of times Marvel doesn't pick up major name directors. They like to bring in directors who haven't really made mm. state put their claim uh, in the industry. And I, I, I see your face, Kale. I would say that the the last half of Marvel Studios films have been like that. The first half, maybe not so much. That's actually not the the quibble I have. Oh, <laughs> would you do, would you consider Sam Raimi a big director? I, I would. I, I don't know. I, I thought he was. I think I would. Uh, maybe. I I guess, I guess when I think big director, I think uh, okay. Spielberg. I think uh, Michael Bay. He's not. Oh, I mean. He's not. In, gee, they're not yeah, getting. But that's, but that's what I mean. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, like I think he's a, an established, successful director for sure. And he's definitely got a niche. He's not an S-tier director. But I would say he's a B-tier director in, with regards to uh, recognizability. Like, I think a lot of people know who yeah, Sam sure. Raimi is. Yeah. And, and that's all I meant. Just, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I feel like Sam Raimi directing a Marvel movie is something I would have expected to see in the years before 2014 rather than now. Sure. Um, sure. And so, but, but, but if you look at it, if you look at his pedigree, right, what is he known for? He's known for horror and he's known for his work on Spider-Man. So to put him on Doctor Strange in a movie that they've been talking about as kind of a horror movie makes total sense to me. I, I think this might be like their most established, this would be the most established director they've hired to do a movie since like John Favreau for, or maybe like Shane Black for like the Iron Man movies. Whew. Uh, okay, so no, you wouldn't I say mean, Joss Whedon. I'm sorry. Joss Whedon? Oh, sure, yeah. Joss Whedon. Uh, yeah, no, okay, so probably since Joss Whedon. What did you say, Sean? I agree with that. Whichever was last, Kenneth or, or Joss, I would I, say. Yeah, I said Kenneth Branagh. Yeah, whoever whoever did the last, whichever one of them directed last, I would say. So it's been a while, yeah. Um, um, yeah. Yeah, it's been. <laughs> Speaking of it being a while, Sam Raimi hasn't directed a movie in a while. The last movie he directed was in 2013, and it was a real stinker. It was Oz the Great and Powerful with uh, 
with uh what's his what? name? Uh James Franco? He didn't direct uh, that. I think he did. Let me double check. No. That's not right at all. Yeah, he directed it. <laughs> Get the fuck yeah. out of here. No, yeah, he, he didn't. Did. <laughs> that movie was yeah, terrible. Yeah, it's the last that movie Sam Raimi's really directed. Funny. So it's been a while um, for him. Yeah, that was that seven was years ago. shit. I had no idea. <laughs> well, to, to, to be fair, he has actually done... He did a short film not that long ago. Uh, 2017. Uh, the Black Giandola. And then he's done, you know, he's done some TV, The Ash vs. Evil Dead. Uh, so he has been working. He just um, hasn't directed a move, like a film. A feature well. film. Yeah. yeah. So, I, I, like I said, I really like this this choice. If it, If he ends up directing this movie, I think this is fantastic. And I think that uh, in, a, in the situation that they find themselves in, right? Let me paint this picture. This movie has a release date of May 7th, 2021. Marvel is not going to push that back. Okay? TikTok, that baby. That means they have just over a year to make this movie. Okay? They lost their director. They lost their writer. Uh, Scott Derrickson and his and the the, the co collaborator who wrote who co wrote the film uh, Doctor Strange one they never even wrote a uh, a script for for part two that never even happened. I gotta tell you, this doesn't look good for them. <laughs> well, oh, and then also uh, Rachel McAdams is not returning for the film. I barely remember her uh, from the first seen that. We've seen that before. Yeah. Yeah, but if you need someone to knock it out of the park, someone who's a professional, someone who has the pedigree, has the history, knows superhero comics, understands tentpole films, I think Sam Raimi is one of the best people you could pick for this situation. I I gotta tell you, this does actually kind of excite me for this film. Yeah. I did not care about uh, Doctor Strange 1, and the ex- uh, even the concept of Doctor Strange 2 had me uh, 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 making that noise at best. But uh, <laughs> Sam Raimi, ooh, ooh, you've got my attention. I like the first Doctor Strange movie. I think Scott Derrickson is an, uh, an okay director, and I was sad to see him leave, and I was more so nervous by the fact that he left, because it made me worried uh, about the whole studio versus creator thing that sometimes happens with these Marvel movies, and the thing mm. that I really like about Sam Raimi as a director is my man does some weird shit with his visuals. Uh, yep. the, the scene that always pops in my memory is is when the surgeons are operating on Doctor Octopus and and Spider Man Two, and the tentacles just start fucking going buck wild and killing everyone. Totally. And the way he shot that was so creative, because my man knows horror. <laughs> he made that as horrific as possible for a PG movie in two thousand two. Uh, yep. I want to see Sam Raimi be able to do his thing as much as reasonably possible. I love that you brought that up. That was such a cool scene, and I haven't thought about that 
months, you know, in years. And I think that that's something that if you look at that time period of, of movies, uh, superhero movies, there wasn't really anything that creative going yes. on. Um, and that was definitely a standout. So that's really cool. And I think if you think about that scene and you think about his, his horror pedigree, what could he possibly do with Doctor Strange? I think the I think it's wide open what he could do. Well, I don't think it is wide open because I think Disney and Marvel have limitations. So I want I really want him to be able to do his thing as much as possible. And I hope those limitations don't stymie him, but let him do creative stuff in a box. Yeah, Feige's been pretty uh gung ho about this being uh PG thirteen sort of mild horror film, and and that's 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 fine. But if you have Sam Raimi, you gotta let him do something. <laughs> I you know I don't really feel like Sam Raimi signs up for this movie in light of what he experienced with Spider Man three. Yeah. If he doesn't have the ability to do what he feels like he needs to do, yeah. I hope so. I really, really, really hope so. Speaking. Of Spider-Man. Nice. Uh, there have been a lot of people talking. This this theory is actually more widespread than I expected it to be. And you guys know I always have a weird theory. Um, there are a lot of people talking about the fact that it's interesting that Sam Raimi is directing a movie about the multiverse. When we are looking at a situation where Spider-Man is absolutely in flux. Why do I say he's in flux? Because we just saw a trailer that shows Morbius meeting up with the Vulture. In that same trailer, if you look really closely, you can see Spider-Man on a poster, a wanted poster, in his Sam Raimi Spider-Man costume. Oh, I didn't see that. Damn. Oh. I, I saw, I get I guess it has to have been a fan-made uh, poster, but um, I saw a fan-made poster this morning that had, um, it was Doctor Strange's uh, portal thing uh, with the Sam Raimi, Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man glove coming out and doing the, you know, the web thing. Thwipping, as it were. Just, just, what if, how would you guys feel? If in this the Sony verse of these Spider-Man movies, it wasn't like Tom Holland, but it was uh, still uh, uh, what's his name from the original trilogy, Tobey Maguire. I'd fuck with that. I'd fuck with that. I wasn't gonna say this. I was gonna let this rock, but now you said his name, so I have to. <laughs> there is a theory that okay, so Spider-Man: Far From Home. Uh, spoilers, I'm sorry if you haven't somehow seen it yet. Oh, should I shake out my headphones? <laughs> it's a two-year-old movie. Uh, at the end of the movie, J. Jonah Jameson plays a video of Mysterio outing Peter Parker yeah. as Spider-Man. Now, All right. that cannot stick, right? Obviously. They have to walk sure. that back in some way. So the theory is that because of the multiverse of madness and whatever's going to happen with Doctor Strange, Spider-Man actually has to reach out to Doctor Strange to get help to remove people's knowledge of his identity because 
obviously things are going to go haywire, right, uh, in his life. So the only way to do that is to have this version of Spider-Man leave the MCU and be replaced by another one. And the theory was that he would be replaced by the Sony versus Spider-Man, which would be Tobey Maguire. So so now, Tobey Maguire, a.k.a. Spider-Man, would kind of almost replace Tony Stark as the technological genius of the MCU and now be Spider-Man. Whoa. I don't fucking hate that, actually. <laughs> it's not the worst I, thing I've what? ever heard. Yeah, I don't fucking hate that. I'm That actually... That excites me a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So uh, cue up your gifts of of, of Spider Man three's uh, Peter Parker doing that emo ass goofy dance <laughs> after he buys new clothes. Oh man. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, <laughs> there could be fun there, and I'm thinking of um, I think of the uh, end of the Spider Verse movie where the uh, Peter B Parker was kind of a loose Tobey Maguire Spider Man. Yeah, yeah. Yes, totally. Wow. Yep. There are lots of ways they could go with it. I think Sam Raimi's, uh, the choice of Sam Raimi is really cool, really interesting. Even if there are no, you know, wild card plays, even if it's more straightforward than we're, than we're talking here, I still like it a lot. So, um, looking forward to that. I hope this movie doesn't on suck. May 7th. That's my thing. I don't think it will. I don't think I think this movie's too important to suck. <laughs> we'll see. I really do. I think this movie has to be good because there's so much writing on it. There's obviously more faith in in the people making it because they don't usually make bad movies. But in fairness, Justice League <laughs> had a lot riding on it to be good, and it sure wasn't. Justice League had a lot riding on it to be good, but it also didn't have the right pedigree. Yeah, sure, it just did it. Yeah. Um. And there was no and reason to believe that it would be good. That's true, too. Yeah, we also have a 10-year tw- backlog of good Marvel films to, to support, you know, Doctor Strange. So I think if Kevin Feige was directing the movie, it would be good. Like, I just feel like if, if Kevin Feige's involved, he and whoever's, whoever else is working on it, they're going to do their best to put out a movie that is great. And this movie needs to be really good. Because if anything, this and Thor are anchoring Phase 4. It it has to work. Hmm. Um, and I think that's why they sought out Sam. So, speaking of the fact that this movie has to work, one of the reasons why is because of its tie-in to uh, Scarlet Witch. And we've got WandaVision on the brain. We actually have WandaVision footage. For those of you who watched the Super Bowl or are like me and don't care about football, but you watched the sizzle reel on YouTube, we were gifted with 30 seconds of clips from Marvel Studios television shows over on Disney+. Plus. We got a little bit of Falcon and Winter Soldier. We got a little bit of WandaVision and a tiny sliver of Loki. What do you guys think of this footage? It, is this all? Yeah, it's just a quick... Like that, this... Oh, everybody's been freaking out about this. What's the big deal? Are you kidding me? Ooh. It wasn't that much. Fight, fight, fight. It wasn't a lot of... No. It wasn't a lot of footage. <laughs> <laughs> 
it, it wasn't a lot of footage, but there was a lot in the footage, if that makes sense. So it was 30 seconds, um, but what did we see? So on the WandaVision front, because that's the show that I'm most excited about, uh, we saw what the show is going to look like. And I think, mm. you know, we talked a lot about, we speculated a lot about, oh, it's going to be similar to the Visions in, in, in tone and style, the Vision comic book from Tom King. Mm. Um, mm. We talked about how it would be kind of like Stepford Wifey, like 50s time early era. Sit- early sitcoms. Yeah, sitcom type thing. It would have that vibe. And we see that that's certainly the case, but that's not the only thing that we see because it clearly is going to be uh either showing us a long form their life together from starting from whenever she warps them to whenever this breaks down or Mm -hmm. it's going to be them flashing through time something along those lines because we see wanda changing outfits we see her throughout different time periods very clearly we see her pregnant we see them married there's a lot there yeah i'm really intrigued by it uh i'm really intrigued by the look of it like both this 1950s leave it to beaver-esque looking glorified atomic relationship thing to her wearing the classic scarlet witch garb um i lost my mind i'm sure you did uh, I'm really curious what it's going to be. I, I, I have no idea. It certainly feels tonally weird. Um, I would say of the three things we saw in that sizzle trailer, that was the most interesting of the three. Who gives a fuck about what Loki yeah. was? Sure. Loki... We're gonna talk about Loki. Loki was actually really interesting. It was it was it was about five seconds, but it was really interesting. Was it? But we'll talk yeah. about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the one thing that they did show in the uh the WandaVision bit that I also thought was really cool was uh after they showcased the you know the different times and the different outfits and whatnot. We do see what appears to be Scarlet Witch in modern day garb, um, kind of like being pushed towards the, a Vision who's wearing garb from you know the past, and he's in black and white and she's in color. And I thought that that was really interesting because it implies that they might not necessarily be in control of what's happening. Oh, or hmm. or. Maybe maybe it's her trying to, you know, she's grief-ridden because he's dead or whatever. She's grief-ridden because, you know, he's dead or whatever. And so she's fucking with time and all that stuff. And it's creating all kinds of weird, you know, temporal distortions or whatever. Ooh, I wonder I wonder if this could be sort of a, a Diet House of M situation where she's uh, creating all these different realities and... Maybe this will be our sort of backdoor into, um, along with Doctor Strange, maybe this will be our backdoor into the X-Men. Yeah, and that was something we talked about on this podcast, that, that, that that's a possibility, that we could that between this and the Multiverse of Madness, that's how they're going to introduce the X-Men. Um, I love the idea, and I know a lot of people don't want to see this. I love House of M, and I love that Scarlet Witch. There's no doubt in my mind that what we're seeing here is her powers uh, 
going haywire because of how grief-stricken she is. Remember, out of four MCU appearances in two of those movies, someone she loved deeply died. And she was also like a a child uh, a mutant slave or whatever. She was an experiment. You know? Her parents got blown up by Tony yeah, Stark's bombs. Yeah. She, she's had nothing but grief in her life, nothing but pain. And I think that between, between these two projects, we're going to see that start to unravel. What um, what gem did Vision have? Do you remember? The orange one? Or was it yellow? The soul stone, right? No, no, no I'm crazy. That was not the soul stone. It was the- Was it reality? Reality. No. Oh, come on. I'm better than this. Because <laughs> uh, no. Wanda's powers are uh, reality, reality warping. warping yeah. People are yelling at you yeah. in the Discord right now, Sean. I, I think it's it the was Mind Stone. It was the Mind I think Stone. It was reality. It was the Mind Stone. It was the Mind Stone. Okay. Okay. I looked it uh, up. Yeah. Yeah. That makes it gave It gave him a mind. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, okay. That makes sense. All right. Yeah. I was just wondering if it was the reality stone, would that be. Uh, uh, reacting with her powers and everything. My man dead. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. There's so much. There's so much to 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 look forward to with this. I'm really excited. Um, and I, I did want to make mention that uh, originally WandaVision was supposed to be coming out in 2021. Now we know it's coming out in December. Uh, Falcon Winter Soldier was supposed to come out in the fall uh and now we know that it's coming out in august everything's moved up yes so very cool now speaking of falcon winter soldier uh we got a little bit of that and there was there was some interesting stuff there too as well so uh, a couple things it opens with the shield and of course you know we know that falcon was gifted the shield by uh an elderly steve rogers but that's not the full story because we know that u.s agent is going to be in the show Mm. and he based on the trailer is out here as captain america he's posing as cap uh, he goes to some kind of like a game, like a football game or something or other, and it's clearly not Falcon. It's not Steve Rogers, so it has to be U.S. Agent. He's got the shield. He's got a different looking costume. So um, pretty confident in saying that's who that is. Uh, also, on the Winter Soldier side, we do see him uh, with a gun pointing it, I believe, at Baron Zemo, and then we see the flip side of that sequence where the bullets are falling out of the gun uh, with Zemo looking on. So either Zemo still has control over the over the Winter Soldier, or Winter Soldier is showing him, you can't control me, I'm in control of myself, I'm not going to kill you, but I'm showing you that I'm I'm, I'm not going to be controlled by Yeah, did so that's what that were, yeah. did Bucky get closure for uh, the whole Zemo thing at the end of Civil War? I don't remember. He's been on the run since uh, Civil War. So at the end of Civil War, Zemo informs Tony Stark that Winter Soldier killed his parents, and yep. then they have that big fight. Uh, Zemo tries to escape, runs into the Black Panther who then yeah. brings him to justice. So he yeah. never gets... So there you go. Yeah, so this is going to be that, I would imagine. 
Yeah, because because right after Civil War, Bucky's in Wakanda. Right. He's so. like the White Wolf. Yeah, White Wolf. So, <laughs> hang on, Sean. You say it too. The White Wolf. The whitest wolf. Ooh, there you go. That's not Kale. Yeah. Did you guys ever see that Tumblr meme, nope. uh, Moon Moon? What? Moon Moon. What is that? Uh, our Tumblr heads are freaking out right now. Don't worry about it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, Sebastian Stan looks great in a peacoat. That's- <laughs> cool, dude. <laughs> that's, that's what I got out of that. I didn't. Even, I don't even remember seeing the. Uh, uh, the the fake Captain America. So, yeah, it's you gotta you gotta pay very close attention. It's blink and you miss it type stuff. Um, but yeah, so then on to Loki. So now all you really get is Loki in a jumpsuit, and he says, "I'm gonna burn this place to the ground" or whatever it is that he says there. It's a real low key statement. <laughs> <laughs> I would say it's pretty high key. Low key, not so low key. <laughs> <laughs> we suck. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. I don't know. Oh, all right. I guess it's good. It could um, be good. It wasn't, but um <laughs> so the the interesting thing with Loki's little sequence there is that he is wearing <laughs> this this jumpsuit, right? And it's uh it's uh, what is it TVA or something? So I can't remember exactly the 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 verbiage there, um, but it, it's in reference to a group of time watchers. It was like yeah, it's the time watchers, and what they're doing is patrolling the multiverse for bad actors who are manipulating time. That's pretty harsh. I think I think. Um... I think that Tom Hiddleston's a pretty good actor. <laughs> Here we go. Uh-huh. <laughs> He's a pretty good actor. That's pretty harsh. Yeah, I'll right. go for Scarlett, Scarlett Johansson for that death scene. <laughs> oh. And fucking Jeremy Renner for everything else. <laughs> My man's part of the bad acting police over here. Look at him. (laughs) Brutal. So, uh, of course, Loki, this version of Loki is not the original that we're familiar with. This is the version of Loki who escaped uh, in Avengers Endgame, and somehow he ends up getting caught up and arrested by the time police. And that's probably where we're going to find him in this film or in this television show so uh for me that's pretty cool i'm into it uh could be good we'll see uh this uh this has always been the thing i've been least interested in of all the disney plus marvel shows so sure we'll see all right hold Uh, on to your butts Wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. (laughs) Um, Real quick, the internet's been in a frenzy about this, so we we have to 
mention it. This is I don't even understand how this could possibly happen, but Captain America the End All right. was released this past week. Talk about bad actors. Uh with Eric Larson handling the writing and the coloring, uh Dono Sanchez Almada on the colors and uh Joe Caramagna on lettering. And whether the issue was good or not is not what we're here to discuss because I don't know. I didn't read it. But what we are here to discuss is the credits. The book says Captain America created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. Lots of people, most people, will probably not even blink an eye at that. However, the fact of the matter is that the internet is full of people who pay attention to absolutely everything. And people realized what I hope, if you're listening to this, you also realized that Stanley did not create Captain America. Sure did. The character was actually created by Joe Simon and Jack Kirby. That is a really, really bad mistake bad to make in your book. Yeah. Stanley didn't jump on so, that book till issue three. Right. Uh, so. Eric Larson was uh, made aware, and uh, he tweeted out, Sigh, Joe Simon and Jack Kirby created Captain America. Um, what do you mean, yeah, fuck off. What the fuck? <laughs> no, 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 no. I think you guys are, I think you guys are, are, are misreading. I think what he's, I, I interpreted that as, like, wow, you know, like, like the sigh, you could you could put wow. In there, I, I like, see. Unbelievable. Like, what a fuck up. Yeah, I think that's what that's what that was. Though. Okay. Um, Jordan D. White took a lot of heat because he was the that's, editor I, in charge. That's his yep. whole job, yep. right? That's yeah. the person who should take <laughs> Eric, the heat for that one. <laughs> Eric Larson, to his credit, or or just not to put heat on him, would have nothing to do with that type of page. No, of course not. Uh. So Jordan D. White said, yeah, it was an embarrassing mistake, but nothing we can do at this point but apologize. Yeah, that's absolutely true. (laughs) I have to tell you, though, that's not the same thing as apologizing. That's true. (laughs) Mm, Also true. Also true. (laughs) Yeah, I really need to apologize Uh, for this one. Silence. (laughs) 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 Well, boys, we really screwed up here. We better apologize. <laughs> Dumbasses. And Jordan got, like I said, a lot of heat. He seems like a really good guy uh, on, on Twitter. You know, um, he is the primary editor of the X-Men books. Um, he spends a lot of time tweeting. Spends a lot of time tweeting. And, you know, this isn't me saying it, but a lot of people said if he spent less time tweeting and more time editing, this wouldn't have happened. <laughs> Uh, you know what? I can't say I disagree on that one. <laughs> Twitter fucking <laughs> so savage, dude. That's yeah, that's harsh. Um, uh, our favorite Rob Liefeld was boy. none too pleased. None too pleased about this issue, and he had some pretty harsh words for uh, Jordan D. White on the subject. Um. I don't have his tweets right in front of me. I just recalled that he even sent them out. Um, but yeah, he wasn't very happy with, with what happened there. Everything's chill. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not a big deal, right? Like, it's it's at the end of the day, it's nothing. But yeah, end of the day, it is two dead guys. Take you know, <laughs> who you know made credit for are uh, are trying to get credit for uh, a character, but whatever. Damn, Kale. <laughs> Yeah, um, so that's that. Uh, we will be reviewing upcoming for you guys some books that Jordan D. White did edit, um, and I would imagine edited very well because we're going. <laughs> Ooh, we better look. <laughs> I didn't even think to look. <laughs> uh, I, actually, real quick before we move over, I did want to read the tweets by Rob. Um, he said. <laughs> He said, hey, Marvel, I assure you that Stan Lee did not create Captain America. This is awful and a slight to Joe Simon and his family. Get it together. What a prick. <laughs> and then he said, wait, this was a Jordan White book? Ugh, I have endless examples, hard evidence of his incompetence. <laughs> it baffles me how this goes out the door. Damn. <laughs> Such Harsh. an asshole. Harsh. That's the kind of shit, though, that, like, like when you know the, the, and I'm not saying I do for Marvel, but, like, you know, when you know the, the inner workings of a company and you see something happen like that, it's just like, oh, there they yeah. go again. <laughs> it's just like, you know what? I know that feeling. <laughs> it, it's, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. You never want to see this kind of thing happen. And, you know, I'm sure that Jordan is is very personally embarrassed. Yeah. By by that, certainly. And, you know, hey, we 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 live on. We carry well, on. Let's keep embarrassing him. <laughs> no, let's let's not. Let's actually review some pretty good comics. Uh, we're gonna review Marauders number seven. Oh, I thought we were gonna review a good comic. <laughs> Damn. So Marauders number seven. Uh, which is by uh, Jerry Duggan, as usual, uh, Stefano Caselli, and Edgar Delgado, so a different creative team artistically. Uh, and I want to start with that, actually, because we've harped on the art and kind of waffled, depending on the creative team, and this book has seen a few of those. Um, but I actually thought this was probably the best this book has looked. Oh, really? Yeah, I really liked it. I actually didn't like this one. How do you think it compares to the other six issues then, Kale? Uh, I, as far as the other six issues, I would probably put it lower. Wow. Okay. I, I, especially as the book uh, got further on, I just didn't. I don't know. It just didn't work for me. Maybe it's Caselli's style, or maybe it's the maybe it's the ink. I, I, I'm not sure, but it just didn't. Just overall, I, I wasn't crazy about it. Hot damn, man! Yeah, I, I, I was really high on it. Uh, Phil, am I taking you right that you also enjoyed it? Uh, it was, it was good. I liked it. Yeah, it was better than the other six issues. I'd say. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I was really pleased with the with the art. Uh, so we'll we'll talk more about the art as we go forward. But I just wanted to 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 touch on that briefly. Um. This was one of my favorite issues of the series so far. Uh, I talked 
last time we we reviewed this book, I had mentioned the the Morlocks and how they hadn't, you know. That that was only last week. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I thought that was really <laughs> funny. And here we are, um, which I thought was super cool. Uh, we got Callisto, um, who is, of course, the leader of the Morlocks, and I really, really like her. This is the first time I've ever seen her in a comic book, and she looks cool. I loved her look. Um, actually, really well drawn. I I was really pleased with Callisto. Um, and I think she was the she for me, especially in that opening page. She was the the best drawn. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, I mean the cover itself too. She looks great. Yeah, 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 yeah. Somehow, I never realized that that was Callisto on the cover. Well, she's got the spiky eye patch and everything. That's classic Callisto. I I like uh, I like her cool white jacket too. There's a lot, yeah. a lot of characters in this book just taking cool jackets for themselves, and I think that's a real highlight of Marauders. Hey, listen, you hang out with Emma Frost, you gonna get a cool jacket. You hang out with Jumbo I should hang out with Emma Frost. You're gonna get a cool jacket. True. Go. Inter- true. Someone needs to introduce me. I want a cool jacket. Am I the only one who didn't realize until later that he had four arms? I I'm uh, only saw it on on this opening, uh, this page two or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't read and had had never realized it before. Yeah, that's crazy. This is his first appearance in the Dawn of X period. And it's pretty cool. Um, he was our first clue that the mutants had the ability to resurrect uh, way back when we, we we got that little tidbit. And now he's here. Um, and he's using his mutant powers to dress Emma Frost to the nines. Fuck yeah. I respect that. Honestly, that's a great usage of uh, a, a power. Great gig. Totally. Uh, so of course, <laughs> <laughs> reminds me of that uh, that kid from uh, School of Rock, uh, the Jack Black film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kid, I know the uh, movie. You know, he's putting the the classroom together, and the the little gay kids like, uh, can I put together the the outfits or whatever? He's like, yeah, Queen, do you think? <laughs> you know, whatever he says. The little gay kid. I love it. That's what he, I mean, that's the implication. I don't know. I don't know what else you could have said, but it just sounded funny. I mean, I mean, you know who I'm talking about. I haven't seen that movie. Yeah. So I actually don't. Um, failure on your part. It's a great film. Yeah, I thought Jack Black was dead. Um, <laughs> Can we talk about that for a second? <laughs> I've act- see. I've used that. I've said that several times on this podcast. He really has. <laughs> He truly, truly has. The man has not been out of the public eye. Ever. Yeah, at least in the past two decades. I thought he... I have no idea how you could think that. I thought he died after uh, (laughs) Goosebumps or whatever it was that he did. Yeah, he sure did that. (laughs) Or or before Um, that. I thought he was dead before that, then I thought he died after that. Um, but now uh, I will only ever reference him as being dead. Anyways. Well, ahead, after that, he did Kung Fu Panda 3, for what it's worth. And he's been in those two Jumanji movies. Kung Fu Panda 3 is great, so it's worth a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's got his own video game channel on YouTube. Let's, Jablinski. Hopefully those, let's show, 
movies uh, do well enough that they can sustain his family now that he has passed. Let's, let's show some respect. <laughs> Rest in peace, Jack Black. Exactly. Speaking of the comic book, though... Uh, <laughs> We got way off topic there, folks. Do you think Jean Grey is the Jack Black of the X Men? <laughs> Let's follow just this in the way, just in the, way, in the way she's always dead. Yeah, <laughs> she oh. seems like she's always coming back, and he is too. You know what it is? Jack Black has his version of the Five. Sure, <laughs> he's like uh, he's like fucking Christian Bale in uh, the Prestige. <laughs> Just just the juxtaposition of Jack Black and Christian Bale is hilarious. Yeah, I'm thinking, like, he also has his own Madeline Pryor, who is Jack White. And they're opposites, somehow. You bastard. In that Jack White is in a band with his sister? Instead of his best friend? Well, Jack, yeah, Jack Black's in a band with his best friend. Yeah, also, yeah and Jack White... Was in a band with his wife, not his sister. And his sister. I, I now it's Chinatown. <laughs> All right. We got <laughs> we, we to gotta talk about this here comic book. Uh, so once Kalisto is reintroduced to uh, the rest of the Marauders team uh, alongside Christian, we do see Iceman actually uh, planning one on Christian. Fucking making out. Yeah, uh, you know, I didn't really have much of a reaction to that. Like, um, I was like, "Oh, that's the thing," but it wasn't weird. Uh, I, I get this. This is gonna sound weird, but I guess my only problem with it is that that's the image they use for like their character profile things at the on the uh, on the the title page. Mm, yeah, yeah. You know what yes. I mean? They're little character icons. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, I mean, if they're not really in the book, you probably didn't actually have to put that there. <laughs> uh, uh, Iceman's like horny all the time now, isn't he? Aren't they all? <laughs> That's true, the Rexman. <laughs> I love the fact that we immediately got Kalisto and Storm together, which was something that we also had talked about last week. Um, <laughs> and then I thought Pyro had the line of the book. I... No, no comic that I read this week certainly uh, made me laugh harder than when uh, so Kalisto throws <laughs> a knife at Storm, and yep. uh, then they hug, and then he's like, they just whip knives at each other's faces. <laughs> no, no wonder the Brotherhood could never beat them. <laughs> they whip knives at each other's faces. <laughs> could have said that in like several different ways that wouldn't have been funny. Jerry Duggan found the one way to make that line hilarious, and I yep. love him for that. That was the best part of the book. Yeah, I really love that part. Uh, and then we we got some follow up on uh, Yellow Jacket being inside of Pyro's body, which uh, is immediately paying dividends for Verendi. Uh, what was up with that goofy ass uh, hand yeah. sign? Did you guys do what I do and immediately tried to do In, it <laughs> within seconds, within moments? Yes. I saw it and I went, "Oh, huh." Let me. How can can I, I, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> yeah. <We're> dumbasses. <laughs> oh yeah, gotta love it. Uh, what was up with how the hell did Bishop know that there were goons hanging out on the other end of that portal? I th- I think the assumption is just that at this point Madripoor is just filled with people who are gonna fight the X Men. I, I think his I think his assumption was just like I'm just gonna toss a grenade out here and see what happens and if uh, if there are people and it hits them great. <laughs> yeah, what if what if Dupe was just hanging out there? <laughs> <laughs> but like, been fucked. They're not allowed to kill humans, so this this is the worst grenade of all time because it didn't kill anybody. Or is it the best grenade of all time because he's not allowed to kill anybody? Yeah. Either way you cut it, I feel like that was extremely lucky. And uh, I'm, I I thought it was cool in the moment, but when I thought about it for more than a second, I was like, ah, come on, man. That doesn't make sense. <clears throat> he says uh, that kill no man don't mean fuck no man up. Right. That was so lame. Sure <laughs> was. That was a lame line. I don't really see Bishop as uh, the cutting edge of cool guy, though. He's not Wolverine. Who's also not uh, super cool. That's all right. What? What? They're also they're also beating that whole kill no man thing to death, I feel. Uh Yeah. It's brought up a lot across the Xbooks and it's really silly because these are not characters who are inclined to kill anyway. So what yeah. what reason do we need to be reminded when if this were not taking place now, they would just not kill them anyway? It, I, I, it seems like that thing that's just like, oh, Bishop tossed a grenade out and a bunch of people exploded. That means he killed him. Well, as long as he says, oh, no, I didn't kill right. him. It's fine. That, that means no one died, of course. Yeah. Nobody, no crime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so uh, it's fine. You know, I guess. Whatever. Uh, I also enjoyed the sequence a little later when <laughs> Kalisto takes the portal and meets up with Mask on the golf, uh, uh, what's that called? The golf course? On the golf course. Yeah, yeah Sean. That works. That's what it's called. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on the green is another way of saying on that. The, on the green. Okay. She meets up with him on the green. And... <laughs> <laughs> she's... I don't know, man. I like this. I don't know if this was funny, but... <laughs> <laughs> she throws a knife. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> she throws a knife at the golf ball that's in the hole and she yells touchdown and he's like that's not what you just did and she said who gives a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> she's was really a, good at golf. She's the best golfer. She's a regular Tiger Woods. <laughs> this was the best this was the funniest issue of <laughs> of a comic book I've read in a minute just for those two moments and uh, that's the state of comics well ooh, I don't necessarily Nothing read fun. the fun comics okay well I guess that's fair yeah. I read a good Nancy today and it was, was real, real good real fun shut the fuck up Cam <laughs> <laughs> oh my <laughs> Uh, and then the issue closes with a quiet council meeting. I feel like we don't see these a lot. Uh, I read online that the seat order was all wrong for the council. Probably was. That's funny. <laughs> oh, shit, yeah. Isn't Apocalypse is supposed to be with uh, 
Xavier and Magneto. Yeah. I believe, uh, is he? Yeah. Yeah, 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 because they're the, well, they're not the sum of one. I don't remember yeah. what the order's supposed to be, but I am inclined to believe that regardless. I think I think the only Storm should be there too, shouldn't she? Storm is there. Where? She's sitting on Magneto's right, I believe. Oh, okay. Is that who that is? Yeah. All right. Because I think Mystique, Apocalypse, and whoever this guy with the wings is are supposed to be together. And then it's Storm, Gene, and Nightcrawler. That's uh, X. What's his name? Shoot. Uh, I can't remember. They said that Storm, Apocalypse, and Mystique were all shuffled. I wonder, I wonder if it's just the, <laughs> the kind of situation where it's like, who gives a fuck? Just, just come to the meeting. Down. Just sit yeah. down. <laughs> Night Nightcrawler but, shows up late. His loins are on fire from all the work he's been putting in. There was some. I get it. Yeah, I get it. There was some heat between uh, Emma Frost and Sebastian Shaw. Uh, Emma lying for. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. Emma lying for Kate, but now must be aware that Sebastian is. Did something to Kate because this was she's a telepath and she has no yeah. issue going into people's heads. Even even putting that aside, he was not low at all. Like there was no nope. subtlety on what he was saying. Like he was like yep, just being stupidly forward about the fact that he probably killed someone. Yeah, that's on the council. <laughs> It's regrettable our Red Queen doesn't appear to have time <laughs> to properly manage all of her many responsibilities. Why isn't she here at this meeting? God. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm cool with Sebastian, but that is just stupid. This is, and this is dumb. Yeah. I, like, you could, you could generate heat. Without him having to be so over the top. Yep. And I feel I feel like fucking Bishop would have already let Emma know that he's out trying to figure out where Kate is. Yeah, he he probably did, and that's why she said this. Uh, yeah. 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 So, but what do you guys think of the 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 issue overall? It's, I felt weird about seeing a dead uh, Lockheed. That uh, was a bummer, yeah. huh? Yeah. I don't really, I don't really have any overall feelings about Lockheed. I think he's, you know, I think he's fine. I think he's, it's a cool addition to, you know, Kate's character or whatever. But I felt weird about that. <laughs> I yeah, don't I, like it. Sorry, yeah. uh, Phil. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say the same thing. So go on. Yeah, <clears throat> you don't kill Lockheed, man. It's fucked up. Unless he's not dead. He's probably not. Because they said, I think he's dead, which, you know, he's probably not dead. I feel, feel uncomfortable about seeing a dead animal. Yeah. Even if it's not a real animal. Uh, overall, yeah, issue is fine. It's uh, another issue um, where it doesn't give you what it doesn't give you what's promised from the last issue. In it, you know, yeah. like I expected this issue to to be, you know, all about oh, is Kate dead? And I don't know. I think this time it worked. I, I liked what was here, but you know what? I am comfortable 
sitting on that if we need to sit on that for an issue. Um, yeah. But not – I wouldn't say not – I wouldn't say more than that. Not really. Um, <clears throat> because I don't want to – I want an answer already as to what's going on with this character. Can she go through the gate or why can't she or whatever? I want to know. I'm tired of waiting. Can she be resurrected? You know, let's get it going. I gotta tell you, I don't. I, this book has no heat for me. Huh. Uh, I'm seven issues yeah. in, and I feel the same. Feel like the Marauders haven't really done anything, uh, and so I don't really care. And I feel like this book should either be character driven or it should be plot driven, and it doesn't feel like it's really either. In addition to that. Sometimes it just feels stupid. You brought this up last week, but the whole thing with Sebastian Shaw, like, just kind of point blank killing Kitty Pride with, like, was like a huge gamble for a character who's supposed to be calculated. And this issue, he's just flaunting it. Um, like, there's no heat. And we have a character whose whole gimmick is that they make heat. <laughs> Uh, it's, it, it, I think this is the weakest of the X-Men issues. Uh, it, I'm sorry, not issues, but series. Uh, I don't know. I, <clears throat> I really liked it. I don't know what it is. I don't know why I enjoyed it so much more than you guys appeared to. Uh, I, I really, like your, I like the comedy moments. You're, you're on point there for me. Yeah. I had a lot of fun with the comedic portions I was happy to see Kalisto. I think that each of the X books is shouldering a lot in terms of introducing or reintroducing us to characters, establishing the status quo for characters, um, building towards something that's going to happen down the road. Like there's a lot of things that these books have to do. Um, And even though it is moving kind of granularly, uh, as long as the issue has some compelling portions to it, I'm good. So does it have heat? No, there's no, there's no heat in this, in this issue. I was even cold. I was cold on Emma and, and, and Shaw just because it's so obvious, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. um, but even with that being said, I just feel like the issue does enough things right that I liked it. Uh, I thought the art was really strong, and I I liked looking at the at the issue. Does Emma Frost being in her underwear help? Yes, but, but I, can't, I can't even tell that that's her underwear. There ain't much left for tonight. That's be. just that that's just Emma Frost wardrobe. I don't. Um, it, it must be pretty cool to wake up and like just kind of like roll out of bed and go on with your day, and just like oh wait, I have to put on a cape real quick. No, Emma Frost sleeps naked. There's no way she sleeps in that. Maybe. I mean, the bra's a little bit much. But, but uh, <clears throat> yeah, the, the, the art, I thought, was really strong. Um, at least for me. It's not anything, like, groundbreaking. Yeah. But it was straightforward. And I really liked that. Um, and I thought the storytelling was solid as well. Uh, no panels that are, like, incredible. Uh, but I don't know. I thought the the character work was really good. The designs were really strong. Um, the the characters felt uh, life sized, if that makes sense. 
Um, sometimes in books, when the panels don't have enough space, uh, it can feel like the characters are smaller than they probably are. Uh, but you really get to see the full body of these characters a lot, and I really enjoy that. Um, especially in the moments with uh, Bishop, where he's uh, fighting. Um, I really like some of that stuff. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, and, and I also wanted to point out, just this is not related to the work necessarily, um, but... Um, Oh, actually, that's for the next book we're going to be reading. I wanted to talk about Dexter Vines. But yeah, those are my thoughts on on uh, the art side. And this issue in general, I liked it. Yeah, I thought it was fine. It was fine. All right. I think we could have saved about 15 minutes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, but that's not what the comics pals do. They don't save time for anything. Time? It's a flat circle. That's what I've been told. Just like the Earth. All right. Uh, let's talk about <laughs> X-Men Fantastic Four number one. So this book is uh, actually by Chip Zdarsky, everyone's favorite. Uh, the husband and wife duo of Terry and Rachel Dodson on pencils and inks. Dexter Vines and Carl Story, who are ink assistants. Uh, Laura Martin the incomparable Laura Martin on colors, and uh, Joe Caramagna on letters. Now, I wanted to mention that Dexter Vines actually is suffering from skin cancer. Uh, And there's a GoFundMe for him right now if you're interested in helping out. Uh, He's a tremendous... He's too. Yeah, he's a tremendous creator. Uh, His work on this book, his work on Batman and the Outsiders is tremendous. And um, yeah, wishing him a speedy recovery. That aside, let's talk about this issue. I thought this was really great. What about you? It was terrific. Yes, terrific issue. Uh, are you sure you don't mean fantastic? Uh-huh. Hey, Mr. Terrific. Mr. Fantastic. <laughs> Mr. Miracle. <laughs> I got nothing. Fun game. Mr. Mr. Ward. I like that Magneto <laughs> gets all these costume changes. Me too. Uh, there was a lot of that in this book. Cyclops was wearing like an old yellow outfit at one point. Is it an old one? Who knows? Who knows? I yeah, I like I. I'm. <laughs> I I think I have mixed feelings about this book because there's there's the the old guy part of me that's like. Here we go. That's like okay, Xavier and Magneto. No. For a fact that they're the two most volatile people right now, and they're gonna send, they're gonna walk up to the Fantastic Four's deli and try and convince Reed Richards to give him his son. Like, on what planet? I mean, I guess that's why it's an interesting story, but like, that, that part of the premise was just like, this seems, this doesn't seem like it's gonna work. I think um I think that was my impression is that was calculated though. That seemed calculated cuz they seemed more like a distraction than anything else for Kitty to actually, you know, try to persuade yeah. uh the impossible boy. Fantastic boy. Kitty, every Marvel teenage boy. boy seems to have a crush on you. Go talk to him. <laughs> That's basically what this issue was. And that was a little odd. 
Uh, <laughs> especially with Kitty's history of, you know, uh, interesting relationships. <clears throat> uh, underage relationships. Underage relationships, absolutely. Uh, so that was a little interesting that they leveraged her here. But it makes total sense, um, especially with the context of, you know, uh, her, him having visited her or whatever, which I wasn't aware of. But that was cool. No, yeah. To me, some yeah. polls here. They actually cited some deep history, so that's cool. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I liked also the inclusion of the Marauders group as a part of the earlier bits of this issue. Um, I don't know. I just like to see these characters. I like to see them in action. And I love books that are more um, open, I guess. So this issue features so many different X-Men from various different teams that it feels more epic than a Marauders that has a more limited cast. Mm -hmm. So I appreciated that. Uh, What's up, though, with the fact that Kitty is on Krakoa? I didn't think about that. That's a really good question. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I was going to bring that up. It really sucks that this came out uh, in between uh, – in the time where, you know, Kitty's dead. That's awful. My, I, guess, I guess my assumption is that this, this is probably before. Yes, definitely. Absolutely. But – so – isn't there okay, an issue with her being is... not to get to Krakoa because of her mutant ability, though? Isn't that the whole thing? Right. My confusion, and I guess I guess there's no reason to be confused. She can be on the island, the outskirts of the island, but she can't go through a portal, right? So yeah. Okay. Okay. Quentin. Yeah. Quentin makes reference to that here on like the second page. And he gets uh-huh. zapped for it by the cuckoos, which is funny. But then she's, I mean, she's there. She's like, I don't know where exactly this is in relation to the portals. We see Quentin go through one. We don't see her go through it. But I I, I think the her deal is that she has to take the boat to be on the island. But, but in order to get into Krakoa proper, you have to cross a portal, I thought. I don't think so. I think it's just remote enough that if you don't know where it is, it's hard to get to. Okay. You know, that's why that's why she does it by boat. Alright. And has and has Storm, you know, leading the way for the most part. So uh with that being said, we do get like you guys referenced that conversation. I think that I think that Professor X's game here and, and 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 Magneto's game here is pretty clear. They want this kid real bad. If they can have mm-hmm. Franklin Richards on their side, uh it's game over. He's extremely yeah, no. powerful. And his ability to see the future, if they can fix his powers, his ability to see the future makes it so that the X-Men can't be stopped. What can they not deal with with someone like that on their side? Uh, Destiny. Yeah, well. Uh, Doctor Doom? Well? Uh, based on the end of the book, you know, maybe so. We'll see. Um, uh, yeah, they can really come off like bad guys in this issue, huh? Assholes. Yeah. I don't know about bad guys, but assholes for sure. 
Okay, cool. So let's talk about it. Ooh, okay. <laughs> the internet has been on fire. There's been a lot of critique of this issue. Um, and it's coming from so many different camps. Now, it's important to recognize Franklin Richards is a mutant. But uh-huh. he has lived his life not as a mutant. He has lived his life uh-huh. as a human. And that obviously has some very obvious uh, real-life applications, right? So, you know, people who are gay, not necessarily coming out, people who are trans, things of that nature. And Oh, interesting. Okay. And so when things develop to the point i mean there's a great a whole great sequence i really thought it was awesome that the 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 dynamic between the x-men and the fantastic four we're going to talk about that but i just want to break this down when franklin attempts to run through the gate and go to krakoa and he passes through it because reed richards like shut off or hid his mutant gene a lot of people read that as you know in their own identity uh, as their parent or something of that nature, um, uh, not allowing them to live the fullness of their life, sort of shutting down their trans identity, shutting down their, you know, whatever the case may be. A lot of people had that read and were very angry um, about that. And go ahead. I was going to say, I can see it on that level. That makes sense to me. I I think it's that's a weird thing to be for me, like, I think that's strange to be mad at because I don't think the issue statement was like, oh, you shouldn't uh, accept your identity. More so, it's like, I think there's a lot of parents... Like, okay, so, say that is what the metaphor or the allegory is, rather, that uh, Reed Richards suppressing Franklin Richards' mutant identity uh, is identical to a parent suppressing a kid's actual gender identity right like i don't think the issue is trying to make a statement about you know it's bad to be trans or bad to be a mutant i think it's more emblematic of parents do this kind of thing sometimes yeah yeah i i agree i i i see reed's action on that level uh but i don't see that as the thesis statement of the of the arc at all no yeah, yeah yeah shitty move for sure but and they all tell him he's gonna, sh- they all tell him he's gonna parent like right and i think i think that's one thing that you know as a as a as a collective we need to kind of be careful with you know the story has to be allowed to be told um yeah and i understand that you know we all come to these books as who we are not necessarily anything else but there does yeah. have to be an objective reality in which you 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 know engage with this, which is you know this is not meant to be an uh, 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 an allegory about that necessarily not not on the nose because mutants are we know what mutants are we know what that's supposed to represent so it's just more of mm. the same there's nothing different there. Um, and the book is clearly not trying to say that that's positive, what Reed did. Uh, there are a lot of people who are very angry with Reed as a character for this. This is why they hate Reed Richards. There's the other side of the camp saying, why does Reed Richards always get 
cast this way. This doesn't reflect him well. Uh, I say Reed is exactly the type of person who would do this. Uh, Reed Richards is very well A control freak. <laughs> but he is a control freak, without question. He needs things to go his way. Yeah, I, I can see, uh, again, I can see both sides of that argument. I I, I think, uh, I think, uh, I do think he all, he does get casted on, on this side, but I, it makes sense, rightfully so. Like, I, Sue's not the kind of person that would do that. So. Yeah, and, and, and look, the X-Men did some stuff too. Professor X clearly yeah. came here to to incite this. In fact, it wouldn't surprise me if he didn't predict that Reed Richards would do something to force his son into Professor X's arms, you know, proverbially. Yeah. Xavier probably planted the idea. Uh, I'm uncomfortable with that. I can't I can't go that far. I don't think Professor X is in that space where he's willing to to, to do that type of thing. Uh, I don't know. My man sent some crazy shit for Krakoa. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't necessarily, I don't, like, I, I said it sort of uh, on a lark, but I, I think there is an element of truth to it, whether it's, you know, I, I, I don't think that's outside the realm of possibility with the character. I, I also think of Daredevil number nine, uh, and I feel like Chip Zdarsky has a pretty firm grasp on on Reed Richards. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Got that from a Daredevil book, huh? Yeah. Real good issue. Real good conversation, a, too. One of my favorite was single he, issues was this Reed year. in it? Yes. yes. Oh, okay. Well, that would have been good information for... I think I, think I implied I, that. Yeah. A third of this panel to know, so... It was implied. <laughs> uh, I really liked Sue's characterization here. Sue was fierce. She was giving off fierce mom energy. She was not having it. She wasn't with this. Mm. Um, she doesn't want anything to do with the X-Men. But I I gotta say, what's up with the superhero community treating the X-Men like garbage? Like Because they always do. <laughs> yeah. But if Yeah. <laughs> but but not so overtly all the time. Like if their son is a mutant, what is so weird about him going to Krakoa? Like, why is that, like, so different than him going away to summer camp or something like that? Like, why are they treating it so, like, it's so awful? Well, and, and the thing about it is, like, Reed even says at some point, I don't, even, I don't remember when he says it, but he says at some point, I did sort of assume that someday he would go explore this. Yeah. So. Well, his thinking well, is. What's the problem? Well, his thinking is that he's a teenager right now and is a. And he's hormonally imbalanced, all that stuff as teenagers are or whatever. And that he's incapable of making an informed decision at this time. This is a decision he should make later when he's more mature and he's a grown up and stuff. But to Sean's question, I think it's clear that uh, everyone is. It just kind of satisfies the mar- the martyr complex of mutants, where it's like, yeah, everyone hates us. You could leave Krakoa at any time. It's not it's not slavery. Like I don't, I just it's yeah. it feels like a real overreaction. That if their son wants to go, why can't he go? <sighs> but do you think, based on 
reads history with Charles, especially in like the Illuminati, you know, maybe he, maybe that's what he's more trying to react to. Well, in what, well, in the Illuminati, Xavier was one of the more level-headed people on that team. Mm-hmm. Reed was the one who was re- ready to murder. You, you know, like he was, he was literally developing some of the technology they were using <laughs> to kill planets. Mm-hmm. I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. And it feels, I don't want to go so far as to say it feels like Zadarsky's forcing something because I understand that there's tension, but it feels like an overreaction. I, I really get the, uh, this is the reality. I, I think the re, uh, and, and this is the impression we got in Hawksbox. I get the impression that the entire planet is incredibly uncomfortable with um, Krakoa and this yeah. new like mutant yeah. movement. And it's not just that. Uh, Reed alludes to it himself, where he's, or I'm sorry, Professor X alludes to himself, where, where Reed says, you act like you're above us. And Magneto very bluntly is like, well, yeah, dick, dipshit, we are. And Xavier diplomatically says, yeah, he's right, though. Uh, I think that in itself is very inflammatory. And I can see why Reed's whole thing is like, yeah, I don't really trust these people. Well, and I also think like one of the draws to this book, at least for me, it was that this this book is how the superhero community is reacting to Krakoa. Yes, sure. And I, I think this is going to set the precedent of it ain't it don't look great. Yeah, well, and and, the, and the, you had the Avengers versus X Men a few years ago, and now you have this increasingly aggressive ethnic national state that just popped up like that is in in itself grounds for a lot of tension just um this is a sensitive subject but like after israel was created it created a lot of geopolitical tension in the middle east that is still like being felt 70 years later like this is a more this is a more powerful country on the global stage because a bunch of like superpowered people, like I, I, I don't think it's very surprising at all that that Reed is experiences a lot of trepidation and putting it mildly. But Reed is not. It's it's not like Charles Xavier has a history of, you know, being an awful person that Reed would be aware of. Uh, Reed has probably a worse past than Xavier does. And I I think it would be a more – okay, I'd be more swayed by the point if he wasn't talking about the medicine because Reed's a man of science. I don't see why he would have a problem with the medicine. That seems a little bit silly. What he ought to be talking about is the fact that they're walking around with apocalypse. That is sure. that is a good point. That's something that I could, or, I could hear. But or the fact that – yeah. Magneto's that, even there. That Magneto yeah. walked into their deli. No yeah. one, no one is saying the things that I think actually would give me trepidation if I were in this situation. It could. You're right. That should be stated, but I think their presence in this at all is, is subtext, right? Like, it probably should be stated, but the fact that Charles is masquerading around with Apocalypse and Magneto, I think, is is reason enough to not trust him. If yeah, but no one's saying that. Like, right. And the I, the I, medicine. I, I think that's fair. This is again. This is so stupid. 
if the mutants are all I hate to keep using that word. I shouldn't use that. If the mutants are offering help, right? Medicine, cancer curing medicine, you know, why would people not like that? Uh, because whenever anyone in this country actually offers medicine or healthcare, it creates a huge stink. I I would also argue on Reed's side, it's probably because he hasn't been able to test it. He hasn't been able to look at it. Scientifically, you know, that's he a, doesn't know where it's come from. That that's a scientific like a scientist is all always worried about quality control stuff. Make that point. I I just I wish that there were some more points made that added up to I don't trust you because of this. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I, I I don't know. For me it also comes down to I don't know if they're not punching each other, it probably won't sell. So That's true too. Yeah. I mean and, and they don't waste much time getting to that. Uh, uh Sue is the instigator of violence. She really uh, kicks kicks things up a notch and then we get the FF versus the Fantastic, or uh, the FF versus the X-Men pretty quickly here. Uh, and it's a good little tangle. I don't feel like the Fantastic Four really stand a chance in this type of deal. Um, the book makes it look like they do. But that's why I feel like it's a distraction. I think, yeah, yeah. definitely. But I really liked, I like Ben's kind of isolated comment about why he's uncomfortable sending yeah, Frank. Yeah, yes. Because it's like, yeah, Storm talks about Genosha and, and their birthright of all, like, why they're entitled to have a nation state. And 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 Ben's like, that's exactly the reason I don't want him to go. A new Genosha sounds pretty bad to me. And that is a, that's a great point. And it's one worth uh, mentioning. And I can understand that, you know, they can't go there. They can't go to Krakoa. So, sure, there's some trepidation. I I, I totally buy that. Um, And one thing Reed also does say is, uh, uh, my son is almost a man. In a couple of years, he'd surely visit Krakoa on his own, maybe even for good. And he's saying this to Charles. uh, But you've got a timetable, and that's why I'm suspicious. Yeah, yeah, that's that's understandable. But again, they didn't even give they didn't even give him the, the opportunity to explain anything. It was just like, nope, not happening. Yeah. Screw you. Yep. Go home. Yep, yep. It was very comic books. Yep. Uh, yeah, I would have preferred more nuance here, especially in an issue that is no ads and it's oversized. So they, I feel like they could have taken the opportunity to let things breathe a little bit more on that front. Um, but in any event, go ahead, Gil. Any uh, any idea how long this is going to be? Uh, I don't have that awareness at the moment. Um, you brought up the thing, Phil, and I thought he was the best character. What thing? Oh God! Just kidding. Just kidding. I thought he was the best character in the book. <laughs> yeah, agreed. I really loved the way that he tried to soothe Franklin and tell him, like, "Hey, man, your dad's a good person, and your dad is looking out for you." and and he's looked out for me my whole life. So, you know, I don't want to hear that crap. Um, and, and then the end where he had to be like, I'm always standing up to you for you, dumb motherfucker. You're the smartest <laughs> exactly. guy in the world, but you're also the stupidest. Right. And it's like, I understand why the thing doesn't question the fact that Reed 
has not found a way to fix him. I understand why he doesn't question it. I understand why Franklin does. Yeah. And it's very difficult for the thing to defend a man who does the things he does. Um, Reed does screwed up stuff. And this is one of the worst examples. And I wonder if there's going to be more friction than this between the Fantastic Four. It doesn't seem like they're going down that road. but uh, I have not been reading uh, what's-his-name's Fantastic Four either. Slot. 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 Yeah. Uh, why is Franklin's hair black? I always thought he was a blonde kid. Uh, couldn't tell you. I mean... All right, there you go. Okay, sweet. You, you definitely see... <laughs> That's it for this episode of Comics Pals. <laughs> he's t- he's definitely blonde within the book. Like, uh, the, the, the... Yeah. Yeah, the, the old... Um, wow. The older panels, the panels that show him as a child show him as blonde, so I don't know. Um, what about the art? It looked like an early 2000s book. Yeah. Hmm. Uh I I don't know. I I think I'll, I didn't hate it, but I wasn't crazy about it. Like I I like usually I like the Dotson's style. Um but a lot of it I I feel like the the faces look kind of weird. I I don't know that to me, a lot of the action just didn't feel action-y. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I, I wasn't crazy about it. Fair. Uh, what do you think, Sean? I really loved it. I'm a big fan. Really? Yeah. I'm a big fan of uh, Terry Dodson. I love the way that he draws these characters. Um, there's something about his the faces that he that he uh draws that I really enjoy um I thought he captured the emotion of every scene very very well um I, I when I think about Kitty Pride and when I think about Invisible Woman one of the primary artists that I think about is Terry Dodson and that might be weird to some but uh, it's true in my case uh, I think the women in his books fare better than the men for whatever reason. Uh, I mm. thought there were some thing, there were some instances where Reed looked a little weird, and Wolverine looked like a, an ape. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> yeah, I think I think my favorite Dotson work is the uh, the Spider Man Black Cat yeah. book. Kevin Smith did, yeah, and yeah. Spider-Man fares pretty well there, but Peter Parker does not. Mm. And I, I pretty generally felt that way here as well. The people who wear masks, if they're if they're men, look pretty all right. And then the women look okay. But the, yeah, the men don't. <laughs> Just to me, I don't. I thought Doctor Doom looked pretty awesome. It was good, yeah. I, I agree with that. Well, yeah, you only had to draw him once. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> what's uh, what's with when when Reed and Sue are together? They're always embracing. What's up with that? You've never been married. I've been married a while, and 
I don't em- I don't embrace that. Well, much. your wife well, also thinks your writing sucks, so there you go. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Damn, Sean. I was gonna say, well, what you don't see is Sue's always criticizing Reed's writing. <laughs> <laughs> she thinks he's a shitty scientist. <laughs> There's probably an element of truth to that, actually. That's good. That's good. Oh, That's good. No. And it always and it always looks like uh, Reed doesn't want it either. Like in this first one. Well, that's true. His arms are are way outstretched, and she's just hanging onto his neck. And then toward the end, after Ben yells at him, he's he's clenched up, and his his body's real tight. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking yeah. about? He's just... He doesn't want it. Yeah, well, that's why she's always trying to fuck Namor, because he ain't giving it to her. Okay. <laughs> I'm just being real with you guys. Uh, what'd you guys think about the god power theory? <laughs> uh, so, uh... Have we ever heard of that? Like, is that a new thing? I've never heard of it. I don't know if it's new or okay. not. I, I mean, I guess if you're looking for an explanation for, you know, the Fantastic Forest powers, then I guess it makes as much sense as any, but I don't know. Uh, it's not great. Uh, what was that thing in Doomsday Clock? The Superman theory or something? Yeah. yeah it's similar. Where it's like, uh, this isn't a thing. I don't care. Seems like a needless explanation. <laughs> It feels like the kind of thing that won't come up again. Yeah, I think that's likely. Like, it'll be talked about here and then just dropped. Uh, overall, that's I like... That's comics, baby! <laughs> overall, I liked it. I enjoyed this issue. I'm in for the ride 100%. I can't wait to see where this goes. Uh, I've mm. been looking forward to this explosion for some time now, ever since they teased it. Yeah, same. And I don't think this issue disappointed. It wasn't perfect. Um, and I wish they would take a little more time to get into the the political elements of why the X-Men are a problem. Because so far, I understand why I think the X-Men are being douchebags. But no one in the mm. books has articulated that very well. Mm. So, I would like to see more of that. But, in any event, let us know what you guys thought about these issues or any issues that you read this week. You can get us uh, at the Comics Pals, wherever your social media is sold. Of course, you can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. You can hit us up on our Discord server, where we do take questions and we take comments and all that jazz. We will have some questions to read for you guys next week, but we ran out of time on this particular episode of the show. Of course, if you're on YouTube right now, make sure that you guys... Send us a comment, drop us a like, share the video with your friends, subscribe to our channel, and click the notification bell so you're made aware of when we drop more content. All those things are free to do, and they help us out a lot more than they cost you. Also, we've been thinking about uh, reviewing Lock and Key. If you're interested in that, reach out to us. Let us know uh, if that's something that you would like to see. If you're going to watch that show or if you care what we think, definitely let us know about that as well. Uh, Let's get into the plugs. Kale. You can find my stuff at kaleward.com. That's C-A-L-E-W-A-R-D.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Toto Into. That's T-O-T-O-I-N-T-O-W. Uh, you can 
hear the podcast I do with my wife who hates me uh, <laughs> called Gone Global. Uh, we're on a bit of a hiatus right now, but... Oh, um, no, you guys uh, are getting into... Never mind. Oh, my God. <laughs> we're, just, we're just taking a break. It's just a break. It's a hiatus. We're going to see other podcasts for a while and see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you can also uh, find Pete at loud underscore Pete. Uh, he does a video game podcast uh, called the Loot Spots Cast or some horse shit. Uh, it's, well, they do a Nintendo thing. Uh, there are British guys on it. It's chill. Is it? You know, that's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> British guys in Nintendo, it must be. Mm, okay. Uh, Phil. Uh, you can find Marco at marcocunalata.com. Uh, he's, he's, he's definitely cheesing it in his picture on there. You can check that out. Um, follow him, uh, at social media at, uh, Mr. Marco Animoto on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, he's getting married soon. He's all about that right now. September. Yeah. Uh, as for me, uh, I've got two giant Grant Morrison Batman omnibuses sitting over here. For I, I'm just mentioning it for no particular reason, but uh, if you guys, you gonna eat them? Yeah, maybe. Uh, if you guys want to read those, you should. No particular reason, but they are very good. Uh, and uh, you can follow me at Cyborg Bebop. And uh, I want to thank our special guest who came on the opening of our show, uh, the real-life Harley Quinn, now in her 80s. Uh, it was really nice to have her and her hairy elbows on the show. Lovely. I still don't get it. As for me, uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram only, at Sean Soapbox. Hit me up to talk about the X-Men and uh, Scarlet Witch. With that... We're the Comics Pal signing off. Take care, guys. See ya next week.